We did it, guys. Somehow, we got the mansion back and we're free of all charges. Yep. Pretty amazing. We were all there to see it. No need to elaborate. If you weren't there, you just had to be. Honestly, it's been an incredible year. We've been through a lot on this podcast. Used to be we just watched movies and talked about them. But we've taken on adventures now. I don't know. I got hurt a lot physically. And financially, I hacked you. Yeah, but you paid for my medical bills with that money, so, you know, it all... Fuck you. (laughs) And you got to see what I dreamed about. I wish we did more with that. Seemed like we just visited. Speaking of doing more, think Chili the Chimp's doing alright? I hope we never see him again. You always say that. I like meeting new people. Like when Ted White stabbed you, may he rest in peace. Well, we all learned the importance of self-defense and keeping protection in the equipment. Which did nothing for us against an... Which which did nothing for us against... Which did nothing for us against oncoming heavy traffic. That was on you, along with all the drug cocktails we did. I like all the friends we made along the way. Like Adrian and Paul. Only one out of the two of them actually shot Kreider. That didn't hurt me as bad as that COVID possession. I feel like that was the worst. Yeah, but we got better, I think. Soul cravings come up here and there. It's all wonderful memories we have with the mansion. Like the thrashing I got from the cops or the melted bullet burns from the guards. Yeah, Briggs, you got really hurt the last couple times. And that's not counting the thing disease you had. Come to think of it, the only one who hasn't gotten hurt is Sam. Here we go again with this. Of all the things we've learned, monkey safety, COVID restrictions, hasty home purchasing, and your only takeaway from this is that I should get hurt? I mean, it's only fair. Yeah. All right, you know what? Tell you what. Next horrible thing that should happen to us, I'll take full punishment. Get the fuck out of my hot tub, you film freaks! Shit, the neighbor's home. Get the equipment! Uh, is this what pain is like? Some movies make you feel good. Some movies make you sick. But the best movies come in threes. Baby, let's take a trip tick. Alright, guys. Somehow we've made it to safety. Yep. I think. The neighbor's still beating on the door outside trying to get in. I think we pissed her off using her hot tub instead of our empty one. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're in the empty one now, and there's, while there isn't any water, there are good vibes and uh, what appears to be an abandoned raccoon nest. Hey, at least, at least we're in Florida, so it's not as cold as it could be right now, since we're completely soaking wet still. Yeah, thank God. We could be dying of exposure. Like Sam over there, with his gunshot wound. I'll be fine. But speaking of exposure, have you guys been exposed to all the movies this year? How could we have possibly been? There have been too many good movies to see everything. What are movies? Uh, So movies, uh, they get the name from moving pictures. Uh, They were put into theaters as a sequence of pictures put together, eventually with sound, although before it used to be there was a piano playing for uh, the important emotional parts. But uh, now they've become a whole lot more, and now theaters are struggling to have people watch them. My... uh... My father, who did the uh, theme song for Triptych, he was watching a documentary about Hieronymus Bosch, who did some famous, you know, he did a famous triptych about, mm-hmm. you know, heaven and hell. Yep. Ooh. And um, he was like, oh, that was a, that's a triptych. And I was like, no, it's triptych. 
And he's like, are you sure? And it's like, that's the name of my podcast. <laughs> you literally <laughs> you said did it in the, the song. song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. No, and that's... No, yeah, this, this year has, has been... We've been spoiled by how many good movies have come out this year. And I, I mean, I partially attribute that to COVID because, you know, a yep. lot, a lot oh, of studios... Yeah. All the studios really had to shift their release schedules when theaters shut down uh back in 2020 so it's like a lot a lot of awesome stuff from last year was supposed uh, supposed to be in 2021 or it was supposed to be in 2020 and so i'm assuming a lot of the awesome stuff this year was supposed to be last year but because of that schedule shift we got a lot of really good stuff this year now and i wonder when we're going to get that children of the corn reboot i don't care <laughs> anyway but um <laughs> So yeah, we're gonna get into our top three, which, you know, I cheated. Like I, you, I cheated in my own self-imposed you, rules. You, you did, but didn't at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's no, fine. we'll we'll get into that. That it's I think. Um, but um, so like, so before we get into it though, so like, what is the purpose of this bonus episode rather than just simply talking about a bunch of movies we liked? Well, um, shit. Uh, what's the purpose of anything? I mean, I thought you were saying these were like the trilogies of our personal trilogies of the year. No, yeah, something. and like two trilogies that for you kind of summarize what made 2022 special for you. Yeah. And, and um, I think these are certainly for me the ones that inspired the most conversation. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'd and, certainly, uh, uh, for anybody who sees the episode and all the links we put, we'd love to hear your comments below about what your top three and what your trilogy of 2022 was all about. Yep. And um, but you know, before we get into our trilogies, let's talk about some honorable mentions. So, what are some movies that aren't on your list that you want to shout out? And these are honorable men chins. Oh yeah, absolutely! Shout out to men. How about that? <laughs> yeah, which is not in our honorable men chins. <laughs> yeah, no, fuck that movie. Oh, yeah, okay. we've um, talked enough about men, <laughs> and you know, we still we'll continue to talk about it. But yeah. it's not in our honorable men chins. Are we not men? No. So, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, other, other than that, I mean, oh God, there were so many animated films that came up this year that I feel so much regret for not getting to see. Crider this discussion. is burning in hatred over here at the mention of animation. I mean, I uh, I saw Lightyear. <laughs> you missed nothing. Yeah, I, I hear I didn't miss much with Lightyear, but I do really want to see Disney's latest animated movie right now, Strange Worlds. Um, it's getting really shafted at the box yeah, office. Yeah, that's not sadly. doing too good. Bob's Burgers. I like oh, that a Bob's lot. Burger, Bob's I did, Burgers. I did. I did want to excellent. see that, but I never got around to it. Well, it's on it the pools. Yeah, I saw it in the big screen because you know I gotta see Bob's Burgers on the big screen when I can. You gotta see H. John Benjamin on the big screen. I know. How often does that happen? The music <laughs> was really good, and I like some of the lore that was explored in this one. Yeah, they do a full-on murder mystery, which is pretty dope. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, it was not unlike what I imagined. You know, it's a it was a whodunit, which is like you know we'll get into it. It's like yeah, the whodunit's making a comeback. Yeah, uh, here's an honorable mention that I, I I hope I don't know if it's gonna go well when I say it, but Scream finally a good Scream movie. Oh, oh yeah, so you were doing good until you mentioned finally. Now I just want to murder you. Yeah, so. no, I'm still gonna no because uh, you know my apologies to Scream fans for being really really mean on that episode. Uh, you know, some of the writing didn't age too well. And I mean, it's not my fault that maybe I just wasn't the kind of audience to appreciate it for the time when it came out. But this one, uh, as an audience member in the now that the movie is made for in the now, 
It was really, really good. No, and it's honestly, man, it's like you can't make a top you can't make a top anything list this year without featuring Jenna Ortega. That's oh for yes. sure. Jenna Ortega's doing really well lately. Yeah, she's got Wednesday out now, which I still do really want to see at some point. Me I saw too. the first one, it's just uh it's Sabrina. They're just doing that show Sabrina again. Well, I didn't see that in the beginning, and I probably won't. So Why not? I'm tired of magic school. <laughs> I too am tired of magic school. Did you guys ever see that? Awful? Oh, haven't you seen magic? He's a vampire painter. He paints with blood, and he can predict the future. I don't. Oh fuck! I don't fucking care. That's... The whole point of Wednesday Adams is that she's supposed to be special. That doesn't make any sense. It. Why that... would you paint with your own Shut food? Shut up. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> like a waste. <laughs> What were the other what were the other Jenner Ortega movies? There, obviously, there's one that I won't mention right now. I'm blanking on the mention. other Jenner Ortega. Um, she had there was a, Scream, yeah, and then there's the one that you... She's in the five cream. Yeah, right? and then there's the one you won't mention right now. And But then that leads me to uh, other movies that I think... Uh, this is going to get into controversy detail, but how about halloween ends y'all you know i i love halloween ends i almost had that in my top three just because a i loved the movie like it is it definitely in my top 10 and b i was actually shocked that Kreider didn't have it in his when he first told me his top three so i'm like oh well fuck it i'm gonna have it then but then i then i ended up seeing uh the last couple of movies I saw this year, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, no, those those are there now. <laughs> Sorry, Halloween. I just no, have to I talk do about like it. Halloween ends. Um, it really, I really appreciate that it did something interesting with the franchise, but also gave us a satisfying conclusion. You know who also appreciates that it did something with uh, different with the franchise? What? John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, a buddy of mine just posted uh, an article to my timeline the other day. Uh, about how Carpenter was actually praising some of the bold swings that it took, and it's like, well, no kidding. I mean, this this guy doesn't give a shit about any of the movies he did not direct in the franchise. So for him to say something really good about yours, yeah, hmm. it's awesome. Halloween Ends was great. Go into it and form your own opinions. Don't listen to nerds. Don't listen to us either. Like you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I mean, don't pretend like this is the worst that the franchise has ever offered yeah exactly like come on but um you're not you're you're just not being honest to yourself yeah you know you mentioning halloween and then mentioning uh five cream before that you know just brings me to a point i wanted to make where it's like you know this year is maybe one of the best years for horror movies in a long time like i'll go ahead and throw out one of my honorable mentions which i initially was kind of bummed i couldn't have in my top three because Kreider had it in his until he swapped it for another one recently and now it's too late for me to swap but barbarian holy fucking shit like i remember barbarian kind of popping up on my radar shortly before its release but i knew nothing about it and honestly didn't really have much interest in checking it out and i remember it was only because Kreider invited me to go out and check it out. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? And we both went in blind, and we were both blown away. I know. I hadn't seen any trailers. All I heard was that it's like, oh, there's like a huge like twist. I heard that it and was like, there's Airbnb a couple, horror. Yeah, which Airbnb <laughs> horror is its own subgenre now, which I really appreciate. I've got a couple ideas to continue that genre, but I, you know, I was ahead of the curve a little bit <laughs> yeah. with what did Derek do. Um, another one I'll throw out there too is uh, Top Gun Maverick. Okay, I still need to see it. That one, 
I was so pleasantly surprised with that because up until this year, I had never seen even seen the original Top Gun. And uh, so I remember the on my birthday, because I took the day off from work since my birthday was on a Monday, uh, woke up that morning, rented the original on Prime, watched the original and really liked it. Which has no storyline. No, uh-uh. It's literally just, oh, man, Val Kilmer, you'd be a better pilot than me, man. Yeah. It's, Not uh... if he isn't. Exactly. So it's like, I liked it, but there's not really much in the way of stakes. Uh, I immediately went and watched Maverick and IMAX right after finishing uh, the first one and loved it. Absolutely loved it. Actual stakes for a change. There's an actual story. And, you know, the movie's just fucking awesome. Seeing Kenny Loggins' music set to fighter jets <laughs> taking off, it's like, man, where the fuck is my nearest recruitment office? <laughs> I'm so ready to fly if I can. <laughs> I want to enter blind. the danger zone. That, that means it's working. I mean, that's what the last one was there for. It's just a recruitment film. Um, and then I guess for one more quick um, honorable mention I'll throw out there is um, not so much a single movie, but just in general, Marvel. I had a good time with Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, Multiverse of Madness was a lot of fun. Yeah, Multiverse of Madness was pretty good. And I loved Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, a lot more than the first one. I was not really a big fan of the first one. It's a good movie, yes, but it wasn't... I, I didn't see the greatest movie of all time like most everyone else did. This, though is fully deserving of every amount of hype it's been getting. It's very bittersweet, you know, because this is our first Black Panther-centric property since Chadwick Boseman passed away, and they handled it really, really well, and I am actually legitimately excited for the future of the Black Panther franchise within the MCU. I mean, I didn't see what kind of everybody did see thor love and thunder so marvel is oh, uh, see i i haven't seen that's the one i haven't seen yeah. yet, so i can't speak on thor yet i did keep up with all the shows though oh yeah what was the best marvel show of the year in your opinion oh she hulk 100 yeah? okay. percent. interesting she hulk versus like stuff like uh moon knight moon knight was good i liked moon knight um Kind of like before we started recording, we were clowning on Quantum of Solace. We were talking about the James Bond movies because uh, Chris just saw uh, Jack White live the other day on Fort Lauderdale Beach, and um, you know we were uh, we were kind of clowning on Quantum of Solace. And when I say we, I mean me. Um, but um, you know, my thing with Moon Knight is almost kind of sort of the same with quantum of solace in that you know it's got some great action in it but aside from that story wise it's just kind of okay like it's probably not something i will continue to revisit as much as other marvel properties but uh yeah oscar isaac was great i really like the moon knight character and the the way they portrayed him but no yeah she hulk 100 uh she hulk with miss marvel a very close second tight yeah Yeah. i definitely uh, yeah go ahead i definitely do want to check out wakanda forever uh especially for the submariner character oh dude namor is awesome but But, uh, also shout out to black adam for not totally sucking i was about to say namor very much reminds me of of dc's uh, the only other DC movie we have that you know we honestly mention is uh, Black Adam, for its uh, just how bold it is and just doing whatever it damn well pleases. Honestly, though, I what I was what I was talking about this with Sam is that Dwayne Johnson is very Arnold Schwarzenegger now. Yes. You know? Yeah, he he's is. just a full on nineteen eighties 
murdering badass, making like dumb jokes, and like I fucking love it. I'm here for it. And so, a kid is trying to train him to be a good guy. Yeah, it's like a Terminator Two thing with Black Adam. So like, when is he going to be a politician then? Oh, it's going to happen. I they, mean, they, they've literally asked him to run for president. Oh, and don't he do knows that. that he's too powerful. <laughs> uh, but what were what are some of your honorable mentions? Mentions. Uh, so I really have been trying to get uh, Briggs to watch Smile and the Sadness. Which I will at some point. I actually I almost... I want to check him out for sure. I actually almost watched Smile last night while I was wrapping It Christmas goes down presents. so smooth, dude. Yeah. It really does. The Sadness is a little bit thornier, but it's also very entertaining because it does... Oh, man. It's so... Well, I do want to The Sadness see some... is so fucking bad. It's Thornier, like... you say. It's it's the crazies, but like on steroids. Oh man, I can't wait to see something new that's Curse of Thorn inspired. <laughs> smiling friends, yeah, and smiling friends definitely. Oh my god! Shout out yeah. smiling friends, twenty twenty two. Shout out to the meme king Morbius. Oh yeah, was that this year? <laughs> that was this year. <laughs> wow, meme king Morbius. Yeah, remember Morbius? Oh, Morbin time! Of course. Yeah. How could I forget? How could that? you forget Morbin time? That Grace. happened in 2022. That happened in 2022. Damn. Did anybody see it here? Um, I mean, of course, it made million, more billions of dollars. No, I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't I, was, see I was busy that yeah, weekend. I was busy that weekend too. They <laughs> but said, then you know, they I could be- release it one more time. I begged them to release it a second time, and they did. But then their timing was bad, and I just I, I had stuff going on that weekend too. So. I've seen clips of it, like the Matt Smith dance clip. Have you guys seen that one? No. Yeah. <laughs> so they'll take any clip of somebody dancing and just meme the shit out of it. Like he's yeah, uh, like that scene especially is just silly. Yeah, it's like, and you know, it's like when She Hulk does it, they're like, boo, boo. <laughs> when it's Matt Smith, yeah, yeah. man, yeah, man. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. That was joked on. That was clowned on hardcore. If you know anything about that meme, because the yeah. song Shout is men. The song in that one is stupid as hell. Like it's like, shut up, man. Put the pen, the pen. Have sex. Cool. What 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 else that did you like, like this year? It's what pretty else, awful. What else did you like this year, Crider? That is not in your top three. That we haven't mentioned mentioned already. I mean, so obviously it's been a good uh, Hellraiser was very cool. Fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, Hellraiser was pretty neat. Yeah, it was. Um, I have my gripes with it, but you I know, do. solid it solid uh, reinvigoration of the franchise. I'd say no, and using you know, and I really hope we can see if not make something like that with the phantasm universe oh i doubt it i don't rewrite the universe but you kind of like just play around in some pre-existing rules i certainly hope next time they do it we can see what's going on on the picture and they can get actual lights yeah right and maybe you know some extra blood and gore i mean the fuller should do some theatrical releases they should (laughs) like limited theatrical releases i i will be touching on that for sure when we get to my top three but i know two yeah two of yours are like gonna be mostly mostly streaming yeah yeah which is unfortunate because i mean Another problem, an unfortunate thing about movies that are put on for streaming services is that we never really get DVD or like Blu-ray releases yeah. where we can like check out special features. Not that most movies like really well, release special features I've, anymore, which is a shame. I've noticed that Netflix has gone in on some DVD releases here and there recently, so I'm looking forward to one of my top three eventually hitting uh, physical media so that I can uh, add that to the shelf. But um, you know, speaking of streaming. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw another honorable mention out there. Uh, how about Shudder and fucking Mad God? Oh, fuck yeah. What a weird movie. Oh, now, yeah. 
Now, I've heard whisperings that Guillermo del Toro wants to com- join forces with Phil Tippett to do Mountains of Madness. Oh, my God. As a stop. Oh, my God. Movie. Oh, my God. That'd that would be, be the nice. greatest thing ever. I'm just like that, you know, because you know what Mad God was missing was a fucking storyline. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that if we take that, you know, and give it. And we still need to watch the Del Toro Pinocchio. It's it's on Netflix. I, I know another one that y'all didn't see that was also on Shudder and exclusive this year is uh, Dario Argento's Return to Form Dark Sunglasses. Oh, I fuck was, yeah. I got to see that. I was thoroughly surprised with that because Argento, if you're listening, and I know you are, I love you to no end, but uh, Argento's output in the 2000s up to now has not been all that great. Oh yeah, and, uh, the Woman King was really good actually. Oh really? Uh, in I've terms been of to see like, it. oh, the Woman King really reminded me of kind of um, the sort of swashbuckling movies we got when we were younger, like The Mask Ooh. of Zorro and shit. Oh fun! No neat. And a really good fight choreography. It almost played like an anime. And <laughs> um, if you want to see like a more grounded take on like a Wakanda story, you know, <laughs> watch the Woman King. Very good fight choreography, very good directing, very good nice. acting. Uh, ooh, here's a shout out to a movie I just saw recently. Is a uh, Violent Night. Oh, oh yeah, you yeah, just saw David that the other Harbor. night, right? Yeah, that was fantastic fun. Like, I, the action was really good. The fight choreography was fun. There's some, there's a couple things that I don't like when there's like in fight choreography. You know what I really hate is when like dudes have guns and they have their target like dead to rights and they just miss the fuck out of them no no not just miss they charge just walk them really close like walk really close to them so they can get a point blank range shot which uh, is like why stupid now there are a couple of movies that um we haven't yet seen for sure um that either aren't quite wide release yet like bones and all i really want to fucking see I wendell did. and wild i'm wendell dying on to netflix see. i really want to check out um Fucking The Whale from Darren Aronofsky. Oh my god, yeah, I definitely need to want, want to check that out. White Noise, which is an adaptation of a book by Don DeLillo I'm really psyched about. It doesn't drop until the last day of the year. That <laughs> actually just screened at UM, and I oh, didn't know about it sake. until like the day of. UM's always having these dope screenings, and there was one where, obviously, Way of Water is going to be fucking dope. Yeah, that's going to be it's, interesting. It's going to be one of the movies I've ever seen, I'm sure. Look, Briggs, we can talk shit about him all we want, but he's never really made a bad movie. He hasn't. Even Avatar, not a yeah. great movie but it's not bad and it's still no, yeah, fairly it's a, fun it's to a watch it's a fine movie and if I don't see it on the big screen I'm gonna I'm short changing myself yeah <laughs> I'm gonna watch it on the smallest screen ever but um yeah and another, we'll get into 2023 and the many delights it may have for us just another like animated movie I really want to see Bad Guys like I really want to check that one out that looks like a lot of fun I love the style of animation they were doing which is kind of like spider verse yeah, I, I had a premise in my brain that I thought was the premise of it, but it wasn't. Which oh, was yeah? that it was a fairy tale bad guys are recruit, recruited into a suicide squad. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> nice. nothing like that. Just a pretty just, good idea, though, right? Oh, that's a great idea. That sounds like some, that sounds like a Shrek spinoff. And and then I guess for something like more real-life horrifying, I guess one honorable mention I'll throw out there is, uh, I know it's one that Sam was also talking about wanting to see, and I watched it at my desk one day at work on Netflix, all quiet on the western front oh, fuck. oh yes. how was that oh that was so great i've been a fan of the 30s adaptation of that book for a long time i've obviously because i'm an asshole i've never read the actual book but, hey, who um, has? 
Yeah. Um, if they didn't the go to school worse for than it. movies is books. <laughs> I, I've loved the 30s movie for a long time. So I, I was very much looking forward to this one, and it did not let down at all. Like, I feel like if they could have done half the shit back in 1929, 1930, when they made the original, if they could have done half the shit that they do in this, like showing dudes literally getting close-ups of dudes getting run over by tanks and torched with flamethrowers they would have totally fucking done it dude (laughs) guys war is fucking awesome right (laughs) top gun taught me that Uh, top Uh, gun and all quiet on the western front yeah that's what saving private ryan that's what all quiet on the rest western front is all about how great war is yeah that's why it's called the great war war (sighs) yeah what is it good for? Everything. Everything, you guys. Everything. It cures what ails you. There's but. nothing better than there's nothing better on a hot summer night than a war. <laughs> nice cool war. Um, nice cold war on a hot night. Do we want to go ahead and uh, get into our top threes then? Yeah. yeah. And, um, so let's. But just to so, clarify how we're going to be doing this is that uh, we're still going to be doing a segment for. Each of us to block off our trilogies. And, it's a trilogy of our trilogies. And we're just going to like allow that block to talk about those three movies within that block. And uh, th- then we'll again into next year. So uh, so who wants to uh, go first before we divide this up? I'm going first. Oh, well, you're going first? Am I? Well, uh, I have it uh, in order of me, Briggs, Kreider. Okay. Oh, I'm going last. <laughs> Thanks that's, for volunteering, buddy. That's how I wanted it, because I'm perfectly in control right now. Sam's favorite movie. Invoking the savage spirit of the Red Panda, billionaire prince Bruce Wayne works his way through the scum of Gotham to avenge his father, save his mother, and kill his uncle. As he fights, drives, and hacks his way through his enemies, making appearances at parties to pay for his crusade, he realizes it wasn't the criminals throughout, but his own personal criminals within. As he learns that his father was a fuck-up, his mother was a crazy red panda, and his uncle had a riddle for him. The answer was family forgiveness. Yeah, you know, the recurring theme this year is a generational trauma and either forgiving or very specifically not forgiving your family. Yeah, uh, which uh, that that last part is definitely one of the movies that are on my list. So so what is your top three? Yeah, what are your top three? That movie sounds insane. Also, real quick, are we ranking these top to bottom or are these just, hey, these are three movies I love the most? I mean, I'm going to talk about which one's my very favorite. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, saving so in a way. I'm saving rankings for them at the end of the discussion. Okay. All right. Uh, of this segment. that is. Okay. Much like we do with the end of every movie in a segment. Okay, then. So what? what is your three this year? Well, so in no particular order, it's uh, Turning Red, The Northman, and The Batman. Ah, fun. I really liked these movies. Like, in their own different way, though. Like, like the Batman especially. Oh, God, I just love the look of Gotham in this movie. Something that I've been dying to see in a Batman movie is, like, a really good comic book take of Gotham, but not too crazy. Like I, what we got in the Burtons, and uh, especially with um, 
Schumacher. Schumacher. I, I agree with that. You know, Gotham was just such a delight to watch in this movie. Like, it, it felt kind of like you're watching a version ripped out of the Arkham games yeah, no, from Rocksteady. The most visible influence for me was the was the games. Yeah. You, you which got... took the grittiness of Nolan and just, like, amped it up to, like, 12. Yeah, brought in those, like, really silly elements that you kind of needed in these sort of... In, in Batman. Which... Oh, yeah, because it is wacky. Cause, and, and that's the unfortunate thing about the Nolan trilogy is that they cut out the really wacky parts of Gotham. They keep... that They have it a little bit... With the Narrows in the first movie, yeah, but then the fir- they basically just become Chicago in the next ones. Yeah, the first, the Batman Begins is Gotham. You start to get it a little bit, like with the architecture of like everything being like kind of slender, t- close together, the elevated train that Batman then just destroys. But yeah, then it just becomes a regular city, which I don't mind. But uh, no, the Batman definitely knocked it out of the park. I think no, it's very, it's definitely like taking place in like a David Fincher version of Gotham, which yeah. is very much what this one feels like. Is that David very Fincher Batman we never got? Very saturated, very patient. It's three and a half hours, fucking long. Uh, just three well, hours. Three. Yeah, it's only just under. Three oh, it's hours. only three hours. It yes. has four acts though. It does yeah. have four acts, which I. I really liked uh, the length of this one personally. No, I mean, I really like because we had a lot of really good story arcs through that one. Like uh, Batman, I really like this take on Batman. You know, it's not, it's not the noble billionaire prince Batman. It's a uh, this dude is legitimately fucked up, Batman. No, oh, and he has fucked to up, Alfred, and he has to learn that he has to interact with the real world as a person to make things better it's not you can't just dress up as batman and beat up people that doesn't do anything that doesn't solve anything and this movie's about him learning that no yeah i i like that it's not just another origin story uh because we've seen just like with uncle ben we don't need to murder uh wayne the wayne parents anymore uh we've seen that enough times no, but, but we can drag their fucking names yeah yeah no, that I, was a neat take on the waynes i i like though that this is definitively year two where you know <laughs> yeah. he he's starting to get the hang of it but still not quite there like one yeah. of my favorite moments in the batman is when he's escaping gotham pd and has the wingsuit <laughs> and escapes from the roof and he's flying through gotham and it looks awesome but then he pulls his fucking chute too early and it yanks him back and he hits the sign it's like yeah he's yeah, like a bridge he hits a bridge it's a car but then he gets right back up and he's fine yeah no, that's that's the fun thing is like with these real quote-unquote realistic movies is like you really have your cake and eat it too yeah it gets... it's like it's a realistic take on batman but it's like they still has a big open face hole that the bad guys never shoot him in. Yeah. <laughs> of all the places they can shoot him in, they never say, let's try the face hole. That's not bullet protected. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the boys from this year, which had a great take on superheroes. Uh, they should have scenes where it's like, ah, oh, my suit's bulletproof. And then they just shoot him a bunch in the mouth. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, it's more of a Rick and Morty thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, I, I will say, though, I think my favorite element about the Batman is the... Uh, realist more realistic david finchery take on the riddler God, i love this riddler yeah God this is the it. creepiest paul riddler paul dano having a good year for sure paul yeah. dano saw joaquin phoenix and he was like i can modulate my voice too <laughs> uh what he decided wait the joker modulated his voice he he had a different voice every time he talked 
The I, Joker? I don't remember the that. The Riddler did. Oh, well, wait, why do you bring oh, up Joaquin Riddler Phoenix? Did. Well, yeah, because well, he did He did do a lot of different voices. Joaquin Phoenix Joker? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. I mean, granted, I don't like that movie, but whatever. <laughs> but, anyway, uh, but yeah. Yeah, really, Riddler was fantastic. So my favorite Batman villain is the Riddler. Really? Okay. Really, because he's got, if you read the comics, he's got this really like, really interesting past and pathos uh especially if you read comics like hush okay and you can show that he's such a mastermind great character uh another comic i forget the name of it but there was one comic string where the riddler actually stopped being evil and he went on to be to start a private detective thing Mm -hmm. and he tries to do good by uh, doing this job but people don't trust him and he comes across a conspiracy that points it all back to him and he's oh. forced to go back to the to his bad ways. I, I'll, I'll say that another thing I really liked about the Batman that I'll, I'll say improved on kind of a glaring plot hole in the Dark Knight. As amazing as Dark Knight is, as much as I love the Dark Knight, you know, you have moments in that where uh, they'll show up in the hospital and all of a sudden there's a million wired oil drums ready to blow up. Like how the fuck did that happen? How did Joker and his goons get there? And I like that they, uh, they kind of sort of do the same thing with the Riddler in this, where it's like, he's got all these, all these crazy setups when he's taking out uh, his targets. But then we learn later, he's got a whole online following, like a like like a parlor type fucking yeah, social network. You know, <laughs> they, they fucking went for it too, man. Yeah, I know. Like they, they, why didn't those guys storm Area Fifty One? <laughs> <laughs> they would have fucking at least tried. They would have stopped the steal. They would have stopped the steal. <laughs> yeah. If Mark, think... if Mark Wahlberg had been there, he would have stopped nine eleven. <laughs> no but um another thing that i yeah something that i do like is how this kind of deals with like really like far political populist uh kind of just talking points through this villain character mm-hmm. well and that's it's really interesting too because it's like you got a perfectly good mafia mystery story going on you know it's like uh, who's this informant you know and then once we get him out it's like oh shit we forgot about the riddler <laughs> and then he just He's amazingly like, surprise! As- amazingly assassinates his way back into the story and it's awesome. And then we see him getting arrested in the coffee house and we know that was going to happen because it was in the fucking trailer. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, ah, that's why I don't watch trailers anymore. Yeah, same here. Because I'm just like, ah, now I'm waiting for things. I buckled and watched the Guardians trailer because they, they usually make good trailers. Guardians like, trailer was fun. I did like that one. Yeah, because well, James Gunn always puts a good soundtrack in and it's fun. You wanted to get a preview of that. Yeah. But uh, another thing, uh, another character that in great in the Batman is uh, shout out to Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman. Oh, probably yes. the shout best out Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz. I, I'll go ahead and say best Catwoman. Probably for sure the best Catwoman. Um, I'd say certainly. so. Yeah, because she brings in that uh, she's bi. Uh, she's got the the backstory being a Falcone's uh, daughter, mm-hmm. which is really because that's from the comics and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I really like that that they brought that in there. And John Turturro was Falcone. Falcone. He was great. He was really great as Falcone. Yeah, we don't we don't get enough John Turturro ever. Yeah, John Turturro's casting as Falcone was a surprise to me. I didn't I didn't see that coming at all. That's how you know they're trying to be indie, bruh. Yeah, no, exactly. This is the yes. indie Batman, bruh. Yes, indie with their giant millions of dollars budget and three hour runtime. Hey, yes. dude, Robert Pattinson <laughs> does indie movies. Okay. Yes, like the Batman. Yeah. And, and then also, 
as far as the other gangsters go, Colin Farrell's just like disappearance into the character of Penguin. He was pretty good. He was, he was really good. He was doing more of a De Niro than De Niro does these days. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> like if you if you hadn't told me that that was Colin Farrell ahead of time, then you put a clip of him uh, doing his thing in the movie in front of me and said, hey, guess who that is? I wouldn't believe you. I watched the behind the scenes on the makeup. It's fascinating. Like they had this whole big chin neck like makeup they prosthetic. Do this, they do this so often these days. It's like, just, why don't you just hire an old person? <laughs> you know, why don't you just hire chubby dude? Well, like, I mean, heaven forbid. Now, now we know why they hired Colin Farrell is because they're doing a penguin prequel. No, TV it's not show. about him thin. It's like takes place between. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, maybe they will. I don't know. You know okay. who should write it is Martin McDonough. Yeah, why not? Because he makes Colin Farrell sing. That's another movie I need to see this year is Banshees of Inishirin. Ah, yes. Yeah, I keep hearing about Inishirin. that one. Well, he did In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, which are two amazing movies. And then he won a bunch of Oscars for Three Billboards, which I don't love. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause just because it makes like ra- being a racist cop like, oh, it's okay if you're a racist, abusive cop as long as you occasionally do good things. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no, it's your job to... <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what you got to do. <laughs> you just do the bare minimum. It's fine. So yeah. another thing that I liked about the Batman, and this goes for just movies in general, uh, is I like that we're getting back to longer movies. Like, yeah, I, long I, movies are fun. Like, it, It's not that they're fun. I mean, they are sometimes. They're, co- they're cozy for me. Well, not even just that, but it's like, and you know, I touched on this in uh, in my thoughts on Rise of Skywalker in the last episode. Is it's like I like that we're getting longer movies again because stories are getting more room to breathe. You know, I've, I I still maintain the opinion that if Rise of Skywalker, as dumb as that movie is, had been Endgame length, it would have been at least a little bit better because they would have had more time, more elbow room to really de-dumbify all the stupid shit in that movie. Is Fuck, fuck that movie. Yeah, we're, but, not, we're not talking about Tenet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> something yeah I, I do like that this movie's long and i really like the epic quality and the exploring of all these characters like mm-hmm. bruce wayne's uh mom being martha arkham yeah that's just fascinating yeah. it's that's, it, it brings that that's, that's sweaty yeah that kind of brings in that whole uh mental uh illness uh is hereditary which i mean sometimes it is like in hereditary yeah and uh that that kind of like that's a, that's an interesting idea in there but what you kind of really need with these longer movies is that if we're going to have longer movies, we really need to bring back uh, intermissions. But it does. Yeah, definitely. It does uh, tie into like an overall theme this year, which was generational trauma. How you, what you do fucks up your kids and what your parents did fucked up you. And, and that, what you're going to do is going to fuck up all of Gotham. Yeah. Just yep. like fighting those Joker gangsters was great. <laughs> That's why Batman is a horrible dad to his son. Damien. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I wonder if they'll get... I'm sure they'll get there at some point. You think? Under I'm, the tutelage of James Gunn? <laughs> Maybe. I will say one thing I wasn't really as big on, and this wasn't as big of a gripe for me as it was for my roommate, but uh, I wasn't really as big on the score for the Batman. It, it was is, okay. It's really yeah. derivative. The score is very, very forgettable. Very and you know like weirdly 90s compared to like uh han zimmer you know just jacking off all over the place in the nolan movies it's like this one is 
it's okay. It's fine. I don't need a Batman of uh, the Batman live performance going through the score for this one. Yeah, like, they were almost going for more ambient know. Blade Runner-y thing. Yeah. Well, and and then, you know, you have like the car chase, which Lombardo pointed this one out to me. It's pretty much the Imperial March. No, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I noticed that, too. Yeah. It's like, and it's like da, oh, da, man. Come on, really? It just like doesn't quite complete. Yeah, so it's like that's really kind of the one thing that I wasn't really as big on with the movie. But other than that, you might as well just use Kid Rock. Yeah, <laughs> mm, Kid Rock Batman. Let's also get a. Uh, let's get uh, Ted Nugent. There's oh, almost no. there's almost no song. There's almost no movie that doesn't get better if you play ball. Fred the ball. Durst. <laughs> okay, now <laughs> I'm back. Give on board. me something to break. I'd want to recut the Batman trailer and then put Fred Durst to give you something to break in there. But, you know, the Batman, uh, Matt Smith, you know, obviously we did we did the Ape Trilogy this year, right? Uh, yes, we did. That was an April. Yeah, yeah. Ape role. Of course. Matt Reeves. My birthday. Matt Reeves. What did I call him? Matt, Matt Smith. Smith. <laughs> Oops. You, you Sorry, more about the Matt mind. Smith. He's, he's over Morbius. here Morbin still. And also has the dragon. Yeah, Matt Reeves. I really like the direction that Matt Reeves took in this one, especially that first scene. That first scene where it's like we're seeing the 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 governor or like the mayor from the point of view of Riddler spying oh, on yes, him from outside the mansion, yes. very, and we're like seeing him like he's interacting with his family. No, he's that like was interesting. Out. Is like we have full on murders happening, but like the camera's out of focus, so that's how we can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Although they they really pushed the PG thirteen in this but one, like this. They should have just do, done an R rated Batman. I'm so so hardcore one, horror. Man. I'm waiting for it. Like that, like this opening scene. You know, it's got the bit where. It's kind of a lower angle shot looking up at the mayor, and the TV's kind of going on and off, and it's like it's it's on and it's lit up. Not a kids movie anymore. Then it goes off and it comes back on, and boom, Riddler's just standing right behind him. It's like fuck, that's awesome. Yeah, I will agree with you there, actually, Kreider. Like, as much as I love this movie, it is a shame that in some ways kids don't really have much of a Batman to look to anymore. Uh, Maybe we'll see what James Gunn does. Because I mean, we got. The Arkham games, which are very mature, which R.I.P. Kevin Conroy. R.I.P. The great oh, Kevin shit. Conroy, the best Batman. The you are, Batman. You are the Batman. And but uh, yeah, there's not really a lot of like kids friendly Batman, right? I think the last one was Kevin Conroy in that uh, Justice League DC Superstars show. What about Super Pets? Oh yeah, Super Pets is out there with Keanu Reeves as Batman this year. And then you Whoa. also have every, every time that Batman shows up in Teen Titans Go. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> the definitive rendition of the Teen Titans. So yeah, <laughs> so we started the year with a DC movie and we ended it with a DC movie. Yeah, we did, we did. Black Adam. They're they're getting better, and I, I appreciate that because they James fucking sucked for so long. Yeah, and just... now it's Marvel's turn to suck. <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I really don't want this to have any connection to the DC universe, though. I, like, I would appreciate just, that. Like, Matt Reeves talked about how he just wants to do a solid trilogy of Batman movies and just keep it by itself, and I am 100% for it. I agree. That would be fun to see. That, I that's... want him to fight Joaquin Phoenix. Hey, I want him no. to fight Joaquin it's one Phoenix. Of the, hey, one of the don't. things I liked about the Nolan trilogy. It doesn't matter Baldwin that the timeline doesn't make sense. Have Alec, have, have Alec Baldwin Batman fight not Alec Baldwin Ben Affleck I get the two mixed up sometimes Alec Baldwin he's just gonna ben shoot Affleck. the Joker uh, it's the it's the A and the B it mixes me up sometimes but no that, but anyway that, yeah I just let 
uh, I'll, just like Ben Affleck fight Joaquin Phoenix Joker. I don't give a shit. I don't want any connection to Matt Reeves to <laughs> that trash. That that is one thing though that I also really liked about the Nolan franchise is that it was self-contained. We don't get Metropolis or Superman or anything else that's Although, not Batman and Gotham. And if you watch Batman vs Superman, it's almost implied that it's like the Dark Knight happened and then it had its own alternate reality. Yeah, it kind of does that where there's like, like where the mansion burnt down and he just well, never rebuilt it. I I won't pick up on that because I still refuse to watch Batman versus Superman. You really oh. haven't seen that one? No. Oh, it's <laughs> bad. You watched Rise of Skywalker. It's really <laughs> awful, yeah, honestly. I did. Unwatchable, yeah. really. Well, fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll revi- we'll visit DC Snyder no, for an episode. No, why? <laughs> for the clicks, guys. Come DC on. Snyder sounds like a character in Saved by the Bell. But uh, we can move on from the Batman, right? Yeah. Wait, other wait, men so something. Did you like? Well, so just before, just just really quick little discussion. When it uh, it's very interesting that the Batman and then the Northman were very close in release. With a very similar kind of idea, but also Dune was very close to it. Now, yeah. that was last year. Yeah, though. Dune was 2021. We have to wait until November of 23 for Dune 2. It's so disappointing, wait. though. You have to wait until next December to hear Sam included in his top three next year. <laughs> but just like the, the, but there was a close combination of these kind of like uh, subversions of the vengeful son uh, coming back, coming to save his parents, sort of thing. All these th- these three movies very close together. To learn that revenge ain't so simple. Which the brings real me revenge we got was the friends we murdered along the way. Which brings me into the Northman, which was so good. Oh my god, this was the fantasy, like the pseudo fantasy historical film I've been dying to see for a very long time. I got satisfied pretty well with the Green Knight last year, but this one was really good too. King well, Eggers can do no wrong. Yeah, this did what the Green Knight didn't do, which is give us a, some fucking good action scenes. Yeah, like the Green Knight was more about kind of like the psychology and like what it means to like f- philosophically be a knight, as it were, and be and a also bit more like sucking, <laughs> like like just sucking as a knight. Oh, okay. Like you, you, I was about to say, were you bad mouthing Green Knight? No, piece of shit. I'm saying confronting the fact that you yourself suck as a knight. Yeah, I really like that. It's like that's funny. I and still so, haven't seen the Green Knight. Ah, uh, you must. Uh, great Christmas eventually. movie and great Christmas present. Thank you, Crider, for giving that to me for for Blu-ray for Christmas. Yeah, and uh, you should totally watch it because it's really good. I, I I'll get around to it eventually. Yeah, but it's a, it's maybe a I'll, I'll make a triptych of it one day and I'll do sadness, smile, and uh, um, green night all in one day. I'll finish with the green night because at least that'll give you some sense of like there's purpose to death. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but no, Nor- Northman was really badass. I. Uh, I was Alexander Sarsgaard. We were all all really looking forward to that uh, for many reasons, especially now that we can finally do an actual Eggers triptych. Yeah, which which we will be doing for sure. Coming soon. Yeah. And um, it's definitely Robert Eggers' best movie. So far. Yeah. So far. Like, as much as I enjoyed The Lighthouse, and The Lighthouse was really good. Like, I love the atmosphere and what he was able to do with the camera and the lighting and just like just the portrayal of the movie is just wacky as hell and just like hardcore old-fashioned no and for three movies now he has thoroughly taken us to like another place in time like really well mm-hmm. yeah and he his attention to detail is almost unrivaled really. i know when i hear him talk i'm like i 
I feel very stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. He does a lot of really good historical research, like he did for the Lighthouse and the Vich. The Vich, really good, by the way. Yeah, yeah. fucking great. No, it's kind of a, he hasn't made a really bad movie. The Witch is his most shaggy. He's gotten better with each movie, and I've appreciated what kind of like Jordan Peele. You know, with oh, each oh movie, he's kind of elevated more and more, and uh, he's certainly widened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I actually sometimes forget that this was I think this was an actual studio release thing and not an A twenty four. Yeah, this movie, is right? not an A twenty four. This movie is too expensive for A twenty four. Yeah, they so, got Nicole Kidman money. I mean, they had a they had a village getting attacked and burnt down and a great one shot like sword fight. I know it's like I'm I'm getting tired of the one shot. Yeah, there's a there's time there were a couple of those in Violent Night actually one shot like it, it's fights. not special anymore. It's like you're doing your job. Give me all of the single takes, all of them. I'll I will them never get tired of them. I, I will... just, I finally watched The Haunting of Hill House for the first time this year. Yeah, and the one episode that's literally just like five long takes that go back and forth between two periods in time. I'm like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, in one shot, a guy looks at his kids like his adult children, and then when you see it from his perspective, like they're all little kids again in his eyes. Huh. It's like, but it, and it's all one camera move. It's pretty amazing. That's Mike Flanagan. That is pretty. We only got TV cool. from him this year, but he's great. What came out this year from Mike Flanagan? Uh, Midnight, Midnight Mass, and uh, oh, that's right, he did the do Midnight that. Club. Okay, yeah, that's right, he did do that. I need to check those out. But anyway, Mike Flanagan, North guy. Something that I, I liked about Northman is just how like almost alien like the world is shown of the Northman. Like, so I mean. Medieval before like modern day age, there's a reason why it's split off in, in historical research, and that's just because people like acted so insanely different from how we would know people to this day. Mm-hmm. No, and the way they present it is amazing. And his, I don't know, just some of the scenes, like the rituals and everything, like mm-hmm. when the Vikings are getting ready to fucking pillage the village, you know? Yeah, <laughs> the, just like got the horns and everything, the berserker like incantations. Or there's the uh, the weird like drug hut. Um, yeah, when Willem with, Dafoe. Yeah, I was about to say we got another awesome Willem Dafoe performance. Although we don't get enough of Willem Dafoe in this one. Willem no, we Dafoe don't. is easily the highlight of the lighthouse. And when you see, oh fuck, he's gonna be a weird witch doctor dude in the Vikings camp this time around. Fuck yeah, sign me up. And then he's in for like one scene. <laughs> two he's scenes. Got two, he's got two, two very. Re- yeah. And then he comes back as a voice. Yeah, he comes back as a voice as a head. And a head. Very good (laughs) Hamlet reference. Yes. He he comes back as the head from Repulsion's Horrified album cover. Yeah, I guess... (laughs) It's uh, kind of a recreation of the last poor Yorick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which uh, I wanted to bring up uh, the historical like backstory of of the Northman exactly. Yeah, it's the myth that inspired both Beowulf and Hamlet. Yeah, it's it's an ancient... Uh, it's a it's a Viking epic, so you know that could either be historical or whole cloth fiction uh, based on what's in there, because you know it's basically what Viking epics were, They're just like yeah. modern day uh, action movies. Did you know? Did uh, what they do at Zero Dark Thirty? Who knows? Hillary Clinton did it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Clinton. <laughs> she and, was a Bin Laden. And so the it's North- like, let's find out who Bin Laden really is, and they take the mask off, and it's Hillary. <laughs> So, so that's kind of what the Northman is. Is like it's uh, it's the origin of the son getting revenge story, essentially, or yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the the uncle's the bad guy kind of thing. 
Which, you know, and it does deal with some of the stuff that is the subtext of Hamlet is that maybe the king wasn't a very good king to begin with. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, you know, again, subverting that whole story, much like Dune or the Batman. In, in the in the quest for vengeance, he discovers uncomfortable truths that make him really question if what he's doing is okay. And the only difference in this between those two is that he doesn't learn a lesson. And he's like, nope, fuck it. I've got nothing else to live for. Yeah, featuring another another 2022 it girl, Anya Taylor Joy. Uh, Anya yes. Taylor Joy is great as, as our beautiful witch girl. Yeah. Did either of y'all see the menu yet? No, I, I want. I, I was just saying that like someone was comparing it to like Louis Boonwell, and I'm like, hmm, I'm more intrigued now. Yeah, maybe because it's like it's not straight someday. up cannibalism. I don't think. Yeah, I, they they can't possibly do cannibalism. That's just such a. It's that's... too played out at this point. Like yeah. eating, eating the rich, we get it. <laughs> we get it. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Chrissy, she was, wake up. She was great in this. As she is in anything she does with Eggers, which is now this is only the second movie, so but whatever. No, um, she's a. I don't think she's in Nosferatu anymore. I think she's been replaced by Johnny Depp's daughter. Yeah. Oh no shit! Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lily, Lily Rose bad. Depp is doing stuff now. Yeah, she's doing a TV no. show with The Weeknd. Princess Peach oh. would did a really good job in this movie, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, and they um, it reminded me of. Uh, certainly Valhalla Rising by Nicholas Winding Refn. Absolutely. Another one I still need to see. Um, a little bit of El Topo by Hodorowski. Yeah. I also need to see that. <laughs> Just like the classic, you know, like how trippy his balls it is. And uh, The Revenant a little bit. Yeah, because something that I... Which I also still need to see. All right, thank Jesus you, Brady. <laughs> thank you for giving us your trilogy. <laughs> Things you need to watch. Yeah, you could watch the movies that remind us of The Northman. <laughs> Yeah, but I can. I really love just like the magical realism that's in this movie. No, like, and it's like creating crazy... their religion as like fact, which is yeah. cool. Like the giant that he fights to get the magic sword. I know, and the sword can only. That was a only, fun scene. That yeah, was the sword really can great. only work at night. I love that fight, and that's played by a great actor. Uh, shit, I'm blinking on his name, but he played uh, the giant in the Game of Thrones show. Oh, that's fun. He also played uh, the. Remember that giant henchman? In the Sherlock Holmes movie? Oh, that's fun, too. <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> no, and we get a we get a last fight scene in a fucking volcano. That might be the... Well, that was metal as shit. I was going to say that might be the best scene in the movie, but at the same time, Alexander Skarsgård going through and just murdering everyone in his uncle's little village thing he's got going on is also really fucking awesome. <laughs> I really love the part where he's just screaming like, I am Amnit the Beowulf! You know, it's like, I am his vengeance! I will meet in Valhalla! What it, what, what happened where he, he kills the one guard who's missing the eye? I forget. He had a really awesome death, and I can't remember what it was. Doesn't he... Uh, he, like, just pushes his sword, like, through his mouth? Yeah, he does. Was it through the mouth or was it through the empty eye socket? No, I think it's through his mouth. Yeah. Either way, that was awesome. That was really fucking awesome. But yeah, the ending in the volcanoes, the most metal shit. Where they're just stripped ever. down naked and they're fighting naked in a volcano. That's yeah. a fucking Man of War album in movie form right uh, there. It made me so happy when I saw that. It was and for, there was a there was a time where Northman was my number one of the year. Yeah. The how he's he's not like, like, like he's a he's a pretty smart Viking. He's a good he's a good war. He's he's like both skilled with the sword, but he's also a great strategist. Like using the the fog at one point and drugging all the henchmen. Oh yeah, no, yeah. he drug, he, drug, he gives them all 
Well, that's that's Annie Taylor Joy's idea. It's like yeah, putting she, mushrooms in everybody. She's a really good accomplice throughout all of this. Like she's totally on board with murdering every single person in this place. Well, yeah, yeah and they make him think that the farm is essentially haunted. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he he like kills a bunch of guys and makes them into like a horse that he like nails to the wall. Because another thing about this movie and it's like his motivation. It's not like you know the uncle like kills his father and takes his mother and like takes the kingdom, but the uncle was a, not a good enough king and they lose the kingdom. Yeah. And so he's like been now forced like into a, a life landowner. of poorness on this farm with like whatever like guardsmen were willing to go with him. Yeah, he's still got like a little bit, but yeah, not much. Yeah, it's he's pretty tight a movie though. Life. And he's got like two sons, three sons, I think actually. No, two sons. There's yeah. the, Isn't there's there the, a baby? No. No? Okay. There's an older one and then a younger one. The older one's like a big wussy. Yeah, he's kind of a Kylo Ren looking guy. Yeah, but all pale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kylo Ren was pale. Murders everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. There's also the great scene when uh, they're playing. Uh, what's the sport that they're playing? Oh, um, I don't know. It's some weird Swedish sport. Yeah, they're I playing don't... it against the mountain from Game of Thrones. But that's yeah. that's where uh, uh, the uncle uh, starts to gain a little more respect for. Uh, Skarsgård's character yeah, unaware like the kid that that's goes his nephew. The field. Yeah, the kid goes out onto the field and the other team is going to just murder him in front of the uncle. <laughs> yeah, it's called uh, uh, Natural Cure. Was it? Yeah, I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Look at that. <laughs> Natural Cure. Sorry, uh, Sweden. Sweden. Uh, I tried. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, like the action in that one is like really good because he's like pit with like a whole bunch of weak dudes against the the supposed stronger ones, and he like takes them all out by himself. Eventually, yeah, no, and he's Alexander Sarsgaard is great. Yeah, and he saves the kid too. Yeah, but the then kid that he eventually kid, murders. Then he murders. Yeah, because yeah. the kid tries to kill him. Because also it turns out that the mother was totally cool with the coup. I was so psyched when your uncle killed your dad, but I knew that you would be a bitch about it. So I was like, we got to kill you too. But uh, they didn't. They have the weird kind of incesty vibes between them later on. Too, no, I know. She's like, like oh. she's like, okay, well, you know what happens. You know what that means, right? If you kill your uncle, I would be your lady wife. Uh, you know, like, gross. <laughs> Gross, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> just go back to telling me how awesome it is to watch movies in a theater before a movie again, please. No, this incest is, weird. is hot this year. Oh, no. This is as, as it has been the last three years. The, the year of the incest. <laughs> goblin, goblin mode is the Oxford Dictionary word of the year. <laughs> this is the dawning of the age of incestia. 2022-cest. Goblin mode. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, North Northman was just fantastic. Yeah, Northman, fucking great. It didn't do great, which is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, this was always going to be a very hard sell for people, just like his I other know, two movies. But it's like it's for an art house movie. It's still very action heavy. I Ed, love Edgar, it. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, you can't hope for Eggers to give us something that'll truly be commercial. Because if he does, that'll be the day it's not a good movie. I think. Yeah, no, it's it got it got pretty hard hit. Uh, seventy to ninety million budget. Oof. And a sixty-nine. Nice. My next my next movie is gonna be a period office. piece in the nineties. 
<laughs> no, but my I will say my favorite thing about the Northman is that he's finally made it. It's out of the way, and Nosferatu is next. Yes. Oh man, I no. can't wait. Yeah, I hope it's good. Nicholas Holt. But Ooh. um, you want to go ahead and tell us about Turning Red? Yeah, so Turning Red. One uh, of the Pixar movies this year. Yeah, one of the Pixar's. Not the most, uh, you know, it's, you know how Pixar is nowadays. They got their franchise film. Then they got the other film, which is kind of like when they're trying to, like, make a new film and be like, we're Pixar. We try. We yeah. make good stuff still. And then the new film ends up possibly objectively being better than their franchise one. Exactly. You know, sometimes you release uh you know, you got Inside Out, and then you got Toy Story 4. Oh, I like Toy Story 4, though. I so. fucking... <laughs> I anyway. did not see Turning Red, by the way. So, Did yeah. you see it, Kreider? Yes, I did. Um, it's uh, directed by uh, Domei Shi and written by Domei Shi and Julia Cho. Yeah, they uh, they also did so that. So we have... It's diverse. We have women and a- Asian women. Yeah, they're Canadian. Oh. Yeah, because it does take place in Canada, doesn't it? Yeah, it does Canadian. take place. It takes place in uh, Canada, which I guess... Uh, in the 1990s Canada. No, not 1990s, actually. So it was six... It's uh, it's in 2001. Oh, okay. Well, you know. Oh, no. Yeah, 9-11 had, ha- had just happened. Literally. Yeah, they're in Canada, so they the don't movie. give a shit. <laughs> so, yeah. like, sucks to be you. What I was trying I to... I know, I know. What I was trying Sucks to say to was uh, the. I know it's true. Anyway, Sucks to be you. but so um, yeah. Shout out to the meme of the year for turning red of that idiot being all like, "This movie takes place after nine eleven, and it doesn't bring up anything about it within the whole movie." It's like, why would we bring up nine eleven in a kids movie? Yeah, I don't remember seeing. Yeah, the same meme. way we don't talk about political assassinations in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't talk about the country that's underneath you. Yeah, exactly. Come on, give it a break. And but I really like Turning Red in uh, again very similar way with the uh, other movies I was bringing up: Dune, Batman, Northman. It's about family trauma and uh, generational trauma, mm-hmm. and this time through a uh, you know the daughter with the mother instead of the the son wanting to fuck the mom or the son finding out that his mom is uh was crazy and maybe she passed on her crazy actually that's exactly the premise that well okay so that is the premise in which uh the the mother is a a kaiju yeah (laughs) the the so our main character, she's a te- she's well not she's like a teenager. She's going through high school. She's like getting yeah. These, she's falling in love with boys for the first time. They're obsessed with a and she's got like boy a band. She's got a, a nice relationship with her mom, but you know it's very subservient. Things change with age, and she uh, becomes a red panda magically. Yeah. yeah, whenever she gets really amped up, she turns into a red panda. And it turns out that this is a family thing with the women in their line because they were tied to this uh, magical red panda that saved their family and their village long, long ago, and it's been in their line ever since. Uh, and so the the daughter has to undergo this like ceremony uh, to like break out to like contain the panda. Yeah, to give it up essentially. And uh, mm. all of her, all the women in her family have like these little jade pendants that have the panda locked up in there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But before she can do that ceremony, she finds out this her favorite boyfriend band is coming to town, and she and her friends want to go, and she's going to use 
uh, this whole like panda turning thing to her advantage and like make money off of like, hey, I'll Robbing be the panda people. and go to your party. I'll be the panda and we can like take pictures. It'll be really fun. They rob tourists like in Spring Breakers. Where they just beat the shit out of tourists and rob them. <laughs> James Franco. I mean, who's going to stop a giant red panda? That's for sure. No, and it's it has a lot of like anime visuals. Yeah, I really like the animation in this one. It's like it's kind of got that uh, like this sort of continuation of what Spider-Verse does where they're like really playing with not having like exact models moving realistically. I've I've been I've been watching this uh new YouTube series that uh Kreider introduced me to, uh, which is uh, animators reacting to uh, oh, yeah. different animated shows and movies. Again, oh, really? shout out to Corridor, Corridor Crew. And they go into, uh, you know, sometimes they do, they watch Flash animation, sometimes they watch old uh, hand-drawn stuff, more recent digitally drawn stuff, CG animation, video games, TV, and uh, they really go into, like, there's the limitations of CG animation which is that you have a model and the model and the animation and the, you know, the program is tied to a computer and the computer's trying to think and like imitate actual movement as well as it can. And so that doesn't really give a lot of room, unfortunately, for really expressive points in animation because of it. And so what this and, th- and movies like Spider-Verse are trying to do are really trying to play with frame rate and, uh, you know, having really crazy like, like, the more rubbery aspects of 2D animation that we see and really enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like about the expressions in this movie is that they play with that. They play with the motion and some characters will just like pop into different like m- models and moods. Alrighty. And then they do change, they do kind of change model depending on their angle, which is more of a two dimensional way of animating. And they've got, uh, what I like to call Miyazaki teeth. So they got the giant like QB teeth. that are really oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> I love giant QB teeth. With the X's on top. <laughs> but um no yeah, Turning Red's really good, solid Pixar movie. Yeah, I uh I kinda wish I saw more animation in this year, but oh from what I saw of Turning Red, I'm I was very much pleased. Yes. But um yeah, so pretty solid trilogy this year, Sam. Thank you. I wanna go ahead and rate them. Uh I would definitely go at a uh nine point ten. A nine out of ten, definitely to the Batman. Really love it. Love the design. Love the style. Just really good, really cool interpretation of Batman that we haven't really gotten to see. And then 8 out of 10, The Northman. Love the action. Love the surrealism. Uh, I just... Uh, there's a... I didn't really get to cover it too much, but there's a couple things that uh, I think Pace could have helped a bit better on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, I'm going to give a 7 out of 10 to Turning Red. Nice. For yeah. really good animation. Commit but... to it, though. Hmm? They should commit to it more. Yeah, they should commit to it more. But get, I do get love... Get weirder. I do love the emotion that this one gave me for nice. this one. With, uh, you know, family and, then, and just kind of like generational trauma. I think it was really, really good to discuss. All right. Nice. I don't have a family because I was literally born on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> the streets gave birth to you. Yeah. But uh, I guess I'll go ahead and... Uh give mine up next all right briggs's favorite movie there's a murder at the party and everyone's invited to die 
As the Predator tears through the guest at the Glass Onion, Detective Sam Fableman is hired to crack the case against his family's wishes, believing movies to be better direction for him. With the help of his friends and remaining partygoers, Fableman makes a movie of the party, forcing the Predator to fall right into the trap of dying, like any Predator movie. In the end, the Fablemen see the true power of crime-solving movies, and the glass onion is peeled with no one getting hurt, just dead. (laughs) What I love is that it's like, we know the Predator did it, we need to trick him into... Following his own formula. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what he does. He, what he does best. Gets and killed they, at the end. I am Sam Fableman. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this might be your best summary since the first pusher. <laughs> oh well, thank you. <laughs> these are these are great, Sam. Uh, I, if I had to if I had to rank a top three Sam uh, summaries for this year, it'd probably be Godfather Three, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Pusher and that, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a that's a good one. The Godfather my, summary. My uh, my segment here is uh, totally not going to be as long as Sam's, and it's damn sure not going to be as long as I'm sure Criders is going to be because I'm the only one of us who's seen two thirds of these movies. <laughs> now, and these are late release, but they're fucking well. They're late. They're not they're later they, in the year. Yeah, they're late. Not only are they later releases from this year, but one of them is actually not even in the theater anymore, and you gotta and wait. And it's not and, streaming, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you gotta wait until after this episode releases, most likely, to actually uh, Watch see a... it. But um, it's a shame because I really want to check out Glass Onion. Yeah, because I so, mean, too. Knives Out was fantastic. So, so okay. So before we get ahead of ourselves, my three, um, prey, one hundred percent best movie of the year Mm, pretty great god damn it i loved that movie so much uh glass onion uh which i was very excited for because like sam i really loved knives out and uh you know i i really didn't know anything going into glass onion and i like they said uh earlier i was uh lucky enough to be one of the few to catch it in the theater what was still uh out there because they only released it for a few days around yeah, it was the like Thanksgiving a week. holiday. Those fuckers. Not even. It was like literally a few days. And uh, but uh, and then of course um, uh, the Fablemans, Steven Spielberg uh, doing an autobiographical film. Uh, absolutely fantastic stuff. I myself am. I am a disciple of Spielberg. Spielberg is who made me want to make movies in the first place. E.T. was the movie that really clicked for me as a kid. And I remember doing countless uh, biography projects, book report projects on Spielberg throughout my elementary school years. So, you know, now Spielberg himself is coming out with an autobiographical film. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of obligated to see that. And it didn't disappoint. I had a great time with it. But uh, yeah, I guess I'll just go ahead and start at the beginning. Prey was fucking amazing. Guess I'll die then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Prey, Prey, God damn it. Prey was so, so great. Like, up What a and... shining return for this franchise. Absolutely. Like After Shane Black really fucking piloted the airplane into a goddamn mountain. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> Man. <laughs> I, re- I remember I saw The Predator 
with uh, with my guitar player from Deviant and uh, another friend of ours, and uh, we fucking laughed so goddamn hard in the theater while we were watching The Predator. It's just one of the worst goddamn movies I've ever seen. It's definitely the funniest Predator I've ever seen. <laughs> it totally is. In terms of comedy, if it was in intentional comedy, it'd be a 10-10 movie because... <sighs> Fuck this fucking movie! I know, God right? Damn it! Like it, it just—it had the worst things that I just don't like, which is like making like mental disability or like Aspergers or like like a super like superpower. Like oh, this whole room of chessboards got knocked over when the Predators thing hit the ground. So this one kid's gonna assemble them all within a few minutes, if that perfectly to how they were before fuck out of here with that <laughs> no but uh briggs did you see 10 cloverfield lane no i did not okay well that's uh directed by dan trachtenberg who also did this who did who did pray and it's a uh, it's more of a chamber piece science fiction story but mm-hmm. it, it is does feature kick-ass female lead and here we get amber mid thunder Man, and it's a period piece, um, 1600s, yes, 1600s, like first nations people, Six, they're late first six, now encountering yeah. the first white people, late 1600s, early 1700s, something like that. But yeah, the uh, first white people we're seeing are uh, French fur trackers, yeah. And so, okay, so it's also Trappers. important to note that the way I first experienced this film was the Comanche dub. Oh, you did the Comanche dub, oh, yes, that's I did. Tight. I really wanted to watch Which, that one, but we didn't feel like uh, reading subs. Yeah, honestly, like that's the way to do it, really. And one thing I also really liked was that uh, they did not subtitle the French Canadian fur trappers. Oh, that's the, interesting. Yeah, they did not subtitle them in the Comanche. So dub. it really makes oh, wait. you feel the uh, disconnect. They exactly. didn't do that in the uh, English cut either. Actually, yeah, because like about it. it's kind of pretending that English is you know like what we're so hearing. I've, I've yeah. only I've only watched the Comanche version. I haven't seen the English dub version yet. But uh, but anywho, uh, you know I love the Predator movies. Like the first Predator is just one of the greatest movies of all time. I love Predator Two. Me too. Yeah, I, I really like Predator yeah. Two. I know it's a bit of a divisive one, but I know more people like it than don't like it. That's the only one that is referenced in this one, to in a, in a way. Yeah, and yeah. I also enjoy Predators, uh, the uh, Robert Rodriguez produced third film in no, the series. No, and if you were going to do, and even the first AVP, not the worst. No, I mean, not the worst. It, I've uh, said it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again here. You know, if the first AVP had been done with the mature gore and violence of the piece of shit second one, it would have been a much better film. Absolutely. Um, the Predator but, gets um, so much more done in Requiem. Oh yeah. Like three Predators go around like the three fucking Stooges and get their asses kicked by one <laughs> alien. <laughs> yeah. But then the second one comes along, and it's like a super Predator just like kicking ass everywhere. Yeah. And then you have The Predator is just a fucking abomination. <laughs> but no, yeah, so, so you know, a, a lot of people were skeptical, and rightfully so, going into a prequel to Predator set in the 17, uh, 17th century. Uh, it's going straight to Hulu, so it's like, oh, okay, so it's, they're not even investing in a full theatrical release. What Ooh. a shame. I expected a more minimalist movie than what we got. Yeah. yeah. So to be fair, it's like this really feels like it could have been just a theatrical movie. I'm honestly just fucking pissed off that it wasn't because not only does it feel like a good epic theatrical movie, Predator Adventure, you know, with the amount of action that we get, the amount of carnage we get, it's just a 
beautiful looking movie also yeah. they do a lot of drone photography of just these huge sweeping landscapes no, up there in the comanche territory it visually calls back to a little bit of the revenant a lot of um terrence malick's uh the new world mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely the new world actually absolutely yeah, for like you know I'm, you know i love my terrence malick that's terry a boy i know you're listening but uh how you doing i, I you kind know. of also with the comanche cut i get a little bit of a quest for fire kind of thing as well and oh, of certainly. course you know you can't ignore apocalypto as well Mel Gibson ah, oh yeah doing, apocalypto uh, what what try what uh civilization is it in apocalypto it's uh Was it a- mayans or aztecs i think it's mayans but yeah it's like you know that whole thing of you know that movie's good to a point yeah doing a whole <laughs> native centric film in their language with subtitles. I will say, though, with the Comanche cut comes one of my only gripes with Prey, which is I wish that they had shot the movie in Comanche and then yeah. dubbed it to English later because yep. the Comanche dub is good. They brought the actors in and they did the dub themselves, but at the end of the day, you can still tell that you are watching a dubbed-in language, whereas... If I, I would have loved to have seen them shoot this in Comanche instead and then dub English in just to give it because they the one thing they strive for more than anything with this film is accurate representation of the Comanche tribe, the Comanche people, you know. Uh, now and shout out to uh, have, Dakota Beavers who plays her brother. Yes. Really mm-hmm. cool character, like not could have been like playing to the stereotypes, you know, it's like. They don't really make it like a whole thing about he's not very sexist, you know. He yeah. believes in his sister that her his sister can be a warrior, you know. It just it's like she's cult- not, she hasn't stepped up yet, so he's got to do it. And it's like also a bit of a cultural, just like um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, peer pressure, as it were. You know, yeah, like she's a healer. You know, yeah, she exactly. wants to be a warrior. She's got her. She, she's she's got her status. She's got to stay in. Yeah, because you know the, this uh, this culture is very role based. You know, like oh, you're the healer. You don't go out and hunt with the men of the tribe. You know, but she's got that fire in her. She's yearning to prove herself as a hunter, and then of course meets the star of our film. The Predator. <laughs> yeah, which is a really cool design, kind of a bony helmet. Yeah, very, very primal look. Yeah, you know, the the, un, the the continuity or like the universe of the Predator uh, is really all over the place, as it were. Yeah. I mean, you only know, if you go by AVP. Well, not even then, because I mean, even with the Predator, it's introducing the idea that they like, they hunt their prey in order to like take their... Uh, their we don't count the Predator either. Okay, so if we just ignore the Predator we only count and AVP, predator. we only count Predator, predator 2, 1, predators. 2, and Predators. And, uh, okay, then it's if not as crazy. If we did a Predator because... trilogy, it would be Predator 1 and 2 and Predators. Yep. Uh, Which I'd I be totally down for. But, um, no, the Predator, they... So, again, another thing that I wasn't too big on with this is that uh, in terms of lore... Uh, they're trying to establish that this is apparently the first time that the Predator comes to Earth. Yeah. Which I'm kind of bummed at just because yeah, like, now we, we can't, can't have even... Northmen fighting the Predator. Or yeah. Samurais fighting the Predator. Like, 
yeah. there's so much room well, for we, growth with this idea of predators. It's fighting the first time that this predator eras. came to Earth. Technically, we could have samurai. It just wouldn't be like feudal time samurai. It would yeah, be which would have been 1600s. So cool. Well, no, we still got we got samurais with cannons. True. It would okay. be, like, be like the Tom Cruise samurai. <laughs> well, nah, the not last not, samurai. Not quite. Uh, it would be like early Dutchman, like missionary uh, cannons. But um, Shogun pre uh the before the the what's it called the uh the exclusion essentially the 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 cutting off that japan did with the rest of the world but you could have other and then you'd have other places like you know in africa like you know maybe a zulu story that'd be pretty that'd be awesome uh yeah i i just i love the position that prey has now put this franchise in where they can really go anywhere from here on if they wanted to and make it work yeah, and i want more weird period pieces in like, my horror movies yes and especially the predator in general is just such a fucking awesome character in this like i love how if they do if this really is the definitive first time that this species has set foot on our planet i love the way that they portrayed that like you have uh he he there's a very interesting scene where he's kind of observing the food chain really where Mm -hmm. you like you see some bugs get eaten by bigger bugs which then get eaten by a small critter which then gets eaten by a snake and Mm -hmm. then the snake I, I love this. The snake is kind of slithering away, and then all of a sudden, the camouflaged predator foot comes into the frame, and the snake just immediately picks up on it and starts to pose a threat to the predator. And then, as soon as it strikes, boom, he hits him with the wrist blades and just kills the snake right there. I thought that was really fucking cool. You also have a great scene where the predator is showing down against a wolf out in an open field. Which is oh, yeah, he also really kills cool. a bear. He fights a bear. That so that's badass. He like picks up a bear. That's that's where our main heroine is introduced to him because she's being chased by the bear because she's out. She snuck away from the the camp trying to prove herself and runs afoul of this bear, which tries to totally fuck her up. And uh, yeah, this is just a great great scene where the predator comes across because you won't don't even really see the bear and the predator fight either you see it mostly told from inside what is it like a beaver dam or something yeah, she's hiding in a beaver dam and uh you'd hear everything and then the pre- the bear's body just kind of bursts through the the dam and then just dragged away and you see the predator disemboweling it which that's it another, pours its blood and guts all over him that like, which ah. exposes him from his camouflage which is really fucking cool and that's another thing I love about this is this is such a fucking brutal movie. There's carnage everywhere. We I honestly don't think we've gotten this amount of good carnage in a Predator movie ever before. Yeah, like no, he wipes out really like, violent. They, he wipes out dozens of people. They allude to it in prior movies. You know, like when you find the defleshed bodies hanging upside down in the original two movies. Um, or Predator 2 and he kills the whole subway car. Yeah, exactly. But oh, yeah. we never really get to see it on camera and we see it in its full glory here. There's a great scene where the trappers have captured our uh, main character and her brother and they have them tied up. Yeah, they're using them as bait <laughs> and it's to like, try to catch the predator. It's a visually stunning to, to scene. To catch a predator. Yeah. <laughs> the charge being led by uh, Chris Hansen. But... Uh, joke i think when we were watching it i think <laughs> it's, so it's a it's a visually stunning scene too because it's like a 
dead forest or yeah, something. Yeah, so there's like smoke just kind of hanging around. It's all, all the like trees sandy. are dead. And uh, there, there's shit floating in the air too. Like, uh, and it's particulates. Yeah, particulates, particles, and stuff. And the predator comes in, realizes he's being set up for a trap, and just fucking goes off on these trappers. And it is such a beautiful scene. Like you see, are you fucking cops? I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think my two favorite moments from the scene are when he just totally mulches the dude with the net. Yeah, the oh, net yeah. that just tightens until it <laughs> cubes you. And then, of course, my favorite bit in this whole movie is when he's got the one asshole by the throat, and then he just pops open his uh, wrist gauntlet shield, which cuts the dude's head off and cuts through the tree that he's holding him against. And so they both the head and the top half of the tree just fall away as he closes the shield. And it's just, oh, beautiful chef's kiss. And And then then Amber Mid-Thunder has to kill him using white people methods it's it's a great great scene she uh so one thing they establish early on is they have this uh healing herb that cools your body temperature so yeah which is very convenient yeah Yeah, so i i like that they use that instead of schwarzenegger's covered in mud method which is really nice considering that's uh you know i feel like they don't really go too much outside of that idea often like i mean what did danny glover do i think he put on like a suit no, he didn't. Of? He just charged after him. Yeah, dude. Okay. <laughs> the just, only other he just tossed hands with the predators. How? So the only times we've had strategically like getting rid of your body heat is just taking is putting on mud, which is what Adrian Brody and uh, Schwarzenegger did. Yeah, because like, they, I remember and they did it in the Predators one because they knew about Arnold Schwarzenegger doing it. Yeah, and it's like the uh, I remember Gary Busey's whole group of government assholes in Predator <sighs> Two. They ha- they were the ones with the suits. Oh, okay. but the Predator just like found a workaround and managed to use them through. Maybe infrared. he just <laughs> Maybe he just looked at them with his normal eyes. <laughs> no, because I mean, if we were like even in the first one, it shows that they only do see actually in the the heat vision. In the heat, heat, heat right? Vision. Yeah, that's dumb. Because he takes <laughs> off the mask and then it's like kinda, bright red and orange. Yeah, it's like, like taking off sunglasses. It's just like it's it's stronger. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the final showdown between Amber Mid Thunder and the Predator is just beautiful. Like it very much echoes the ending of the original predator without being just super just derivative we're just going to do that all over again because nah, just tricks think, him into shooting him with his own helmet yeah, yeah so we, we want to talk about the the cannon and like the evolution of some of its like it doesn't have the big laser shoulder cannon and instead it's no. got the crazy arrow tracker thing. yeah so we have we have some different predator tech in this one uh which kind of breaks continuity if avp were a part of this which i don't think it doesn't. is uh, and and so uh the the biggest addition or, or update, I guess I should say, update or downgrade? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I would call it like the, historical updating. The shoulder cannon, which uh, traditionally has been like a plasma cannon, mm-hmm. uh, it now shoots out these three bolts, like hard metal bolts. Well, as you know, then, they hadn't invented lasers yet. Yeah, just uh, tracking lasers. <laughs> yeah. So the Predator, you know, he's got the uh, the laser sights on his helmet that would uh, guide where the, the cannon shot. So this one, the, laser, the, the three dots, the iconic three dots, they can actually break apart from each other to hit multiple targets now. And these three bolts are guided by the lasers. And so there's a great scene where Amber Mid-Thunder is... Uh, being taken back to the village by uh, some of the men from the tribe. 
and the predators comes through and fucks them all up yeah. like effortlessly and there's a great moment where he like pops two of the d- three dudes with the bolts <laughs> and it's really cool and the way she uses that against the predator in her fight is just amazing so there's like a big mud pit that she discovers early on she manages to lure the predator into that after getting his mask off and uh the predator goes mask off very very uncool yeah and uh <laughs> she essentially tricks the predator into just like, blasting his own fucking head out with <laughs> these bolts which is i was cheering at my dad i watched this the monday after it came out at work it was like the last week until the semester started so it was super calm and quiet nothing going on so i just threw it on at my desk in the morning and i was just freaking out the whole way through because i just fucking loved it so much yeah no, it was a tight movie, and uh, Hulu Hulu um, had some really tight original releases this year between that and Hellraiser. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't like Hellraiser as much as I loved this one, but Hellraiser, Same. I'm, I'm I very much looking forward. I wanted to like forward. Hellraiser more. I, yeah. did, I did too, but you know, I it was good enough to where I'm looking forward to where they're going to take the franchise from here. I tell you though, man, rewatching the original Hellraiser, I'm just like so much more doubled down on how much I fucking love that movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The original Hellraiser is just such a perfect, like, Oh man, it's just a sexy, it's a weird love triangle that just turns into a demon story. Like that's my shit. <laughs> I feel like I need to rewatch it. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Hellraiser. I like the, the premise and the designs and everything. Uh-huh. But as far as like the stories have gone, I haven't really been all that crazy for them. I mean, the yeah. first one's the only really solid story one because the second one is very goofy. The yeah. second one is so goofy. The second one is essentially a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. The yeah. doctor is in. <laughs> uh, but, I, like uh, it, I like it that part when he's getting drilled into his head and he's like, ah. Yeah. We get a much better Cenobite transformation in two than we do in the new one, though. Yeah. Yeah. But uh but anyways back to back to these movies. So Prey absolutely loved this movie. Stunna. I really hope we get more really good Predator films from this. And uh so I guess sticking with uh streaming, I guess, uh I gotta go into some glass onion, which yeah, so... I'm not gonna talk much about glass onion just because I know Chris and Sam did not get to see it in the theater. No, and that is a movie that you can that can be spoiled. Yeah, yeah, I don't it, want. I would. No, I wouldn't even want to spoil it, even if we all did see it's, it. It's it's like super spoilery. <laughs> I, um, I'm I, very intrigued though because the cast looks fantastic. The cast was incredible. Daniel Craig, of course, being the highlight. So I guess to give a Cliff's Notes kind of, I guess, summary to go into it, which I'm sure you can probably find on Netflix too, is uh, so obviously uh, it's a sequel to Knives Out. Uh, we don't follow any of the Thromby family from the first movie. It's a whole. It's Daniel Craig and a whole new bunch of people. Um, it's a COVID set mystery. What's his name? Cornblood. Uh, who? Uh, Alf- Daniel Craig. Alfred Cornblood. Oh, <laughs> no, we have. Um, What's his it, name? It's um, something LeBlanc. Uh, uh, Benoit ben- LeBlanc. No, it's, I think it's just Benoit Blanc. Benoit, Benoit Blanc, Blanc. Yes. Okay. Um, and so it's a COVID set mystery, like it's That's set tight. in 2020, and uh, you have all these people that have been invited to an island in the in Greece, off the coast of Greece, uh, that's owned by Edward Norton, who's like a super billionaire, like Richard Branson, uh, Zuckerberg, like just kind of humongous, big shit 
like asshole. Interesting. So it um, kind of carries over the um, knives out, um, the knives out like satire of the rich. Pretty much, yeah. I, I feel like it kind of hammers it in a little bit more this time around because hmm. you have a few different types of people. Like so. You, it's not here, just a family? No, it, they're actually all standalone characters, not related to each other. They're all friends with each other. Like, they explain that they kind of came up with each other. But essentially, you have uh, Edward Norton, who's uh, basically an overblown tech bro with a, a big conglomerate that he can, like, manipulate <laughs> anything he wants with it. Uh, you have uh, Catherine Hahn, who... Uh, uh, really kind of came to prominence last year, I think, in WandaVision as uh, Agatha Harkness. Ah, uh, um, yes. She, uh, she play. I like her much more in this than in uh, in WandaVision. She plays a uh, a governor, a state governor, who's running for Senate, who, of course, was kind of propped up by Edward Norton's character. <laughs> um, you have uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who is uh, the head of, uh, who's the lead scientist for Edward Norton's company. Uh, Dave Batista. Yes, I want to hear Dave Batista. <laughs> He's a. Uh, I'm I'm just reading off Wikipedia right now, and this is all you need to know. Dave Batista. His character is a Twitch streamer and men's rights activist. Oh, so he seems to be a Joe Rogan type. Shit. Very much so, and he is absolutely. Fan fucking tastic in this. Kate oh. Hudson is in this. You said she was a highlight, right? She was actually my favorite of the new cast. Um, she plays a uh, a former supermodel turned fashion designer, and she's a dipshit. She's like very much the stereotypical dumb blonde, but done in the best way possible. Um, what else you got here? Uh, Noah Segan comes back in a fun, not as big a character as he was in Knives Out, but he's still just kind of a, literally just around. Right, <laughs> he, was, he was one of the cops in Knives Out. Yeah, he was one Wait, of the what? main characters in Knives Out. And this one, he's just kind of a background character who just kind of like shows fa- up. He's like a fan of Benoit Blanc. Yeah. He's a cop. Because, no, like, yeah, the lead mm-hmm. cop was Lakeith Stanfield. Right, yeah, right, and yeah. He, and he but plays his, a, his, like, partner was Noah Segan. Huh. Yeah. And he's um, following LeBlanc. No, he's I mean, he. Blanc, no, Noah, sorry, not LeBlanc. Noah Segan plays a completely new character. Oh, sorry. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Noah Segan, he directed a movie I want to check out about being a vampire with this with a daughter. Um, you have uh, let's see who else. Janelle Monae as uh, Blood a, Relatives. Uh, I think it's called. She's a a mysterious member of the group with a, a very shady kind of backstory that I'm not going to get into. Oh, Janelle Monet, mm. you're always a beautiful, mysterious um, person. Lady. And then, uh, yeah, aside from that, you got a bunch of a bunch of cameos throughout this one, throughout the first part of this. Like uh, uh, Ethan Hawke shows up in a cameo at one point as what? one of uh, uh, Edward Norton's employees. What? Um, well, we didn't bring, bring so, up Ethan Hawke's performance in The Northman. It's pretty good. <laughs> or in Black Phone, which we didn't mention. In the yeah, I haven't mention. seen it yet. I gotta see it. Oh, it's I been pretty it good for great. Ethan Hawke this year. Um, he's, oh, doing he was, he's doing great lately. He's, he's the bad guy in uh, Moon Knight. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! What? Yeah. Huh? Which he's he 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 got into it recently, where he he's like he wanted to avoid playing villain roles for a long time, uh, just because he didn't want to kind of be typecast as villains, and so now because I'm such an asshole. Now that he's crossed fifty, he doesn't care. Mm. 
Um, but uh, so one other big thing that kind of did come out recently is um, uh, publicly that is is that uh, apparently Benoit Blanc is uh, is gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do they? What are they? I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I they, shouldn't ask. I really they don't. They don't really hammer it over into you so he doesn't suck dick on camera no he does not then suck what dick the on fuck camera is the point? what's the point of anything? but yeah. i mean he's much more of a flamboyant character this time around like he's in vacation mode essentially yeah he gets the, invited the, to this island it's as the well. pandemic you know we're all cutting loose he mm-hmm. he gets invited to this island as well and so this is really just a getaway for him at first he's so, not supposed to be there to solve a murder right? so, yeah exactly so he's wearing pastel colors and short shorts and he's there on vacation in the, this tropical location i say um, chris evans did it again but um <laughs> One thing they do kind of subtly push in there to kind of tip you off to uh, which way LeBlanc or which way Blanc swings is they have Hugh Grant in a cameo at implied as his partner. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, and uh, that was a fun little bit. You have also, uh, I think this is also okay. Here it says it right here: the final posthumous screen performance of Angela Lansbury. Oh shit! Yeah, she shows really? up in a cameo. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's in a cameo. Uh, Serena Williams. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Uh huh. huh. <laughs> and. Wow. That actually, him and Angela Lansbury are in the same scene, and I'm not gonna say what it is because it's early on in the movie and Fucking. it's fantastic. <laughs> My dad says that you that you save all your energy for the playoffs. Um. Oh wow, I didn't even notice this. You have Joseph Gordon-Levitt in there as Miles's clock, as Miles is Edward Norton's character. Now, if you ever see Brick, you'll know that Joe Go and Ryan Johnson are buddies. Um, but, uh, yeah, great, great movie. And so I guess the, the big thing to talk about that isn't really spoiling anything is, uh, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc is, I mean, he was already the highlight of the first Knives Out and he's so much better in this. Like he's kind of cranked up the, uh, the kind of goofy Southern, uh, stereotype tenfold in this one. Like, like they're like, like a southern gentleman sort like, of thing. Like one, there's one scene in here when uh, he's first getting his first face to face meeting with uh, Edward Norton in Norton's office, which is like at the kind of top of the glass onion, which is an actual building that they're in. It is a physical glass onion shaped building. Um, oh, and, that's uh, the glass onion. I mean, there's more meanings to it, but uh, like an onion. Yes, exactly. It's got layers. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, there, there's a bit there where uh, Edward Norton has a helipad outside that, of his office that he's got a... Uh, or no, it's not a helipad. It's like a big glass platform, and he's got his super fancy sports car just kind of chilling out there on this platform. Yeah. And Daniel Craig comes up, and he's just totally bewildered by everything he's seen. Like, they definitely make more attempts to see ground him as like he's an everyday person at the end of the day yes he's a super sleuth but he's one of us you know and so when he's coming in and he sees I that put my capri pants on one <laughs> yeah. leg at a time when he comes in and he sees the car he's like it's suspended and on this glass part he's like oh my lord is that a motor car <laughs> like he calls it a motor car in his fucking accent. Is that a motor car <laughs> and what is he mr toad it is adorable it is 
so great. And <sighs> I fucking wish this movie was streaming right now. I yeah. really wish it was too. I'm I would f- watch it right fucking now. I, would, I have to I'm wait s- until twenty. I just checked again. I have to wait until the twenty third, like more than yeah. a week. Damn, really? I'm so Fuck upset me. that y'all haven't seen this one because I want to talk about this one with y'all so bad. And I'm not even gonna be in the fucking state when it does drop. So yeah, uh, you know, when, we'll text you. Yeah, yeah I know. The I'm group, sure. ch- the triptych chat will be booming. But one um, day, uh, especially when we get our third movie i'm sure we'll talk all about it <laughs> i'm sure we will get a third movie so oh, the de- mi- there's at least one more coming through netflix the mystery in this one is uh definitely different uh, a lot different than what they give us in the first knives out um but uh so uh, it's it's it it takes some twists that really you just don't see coming and when it does you're just like oh shit what <laughs> yeah can I, I actually could i ask so in the first in, in knives out like it kind of takes a Columbo criminal, a law and order criminal intent sort of angle where we we know who did it, or at least we think we know who did it, and we're following the perpetrator throughout the movie and her point of view along with trying to solve the mystery. So no. we don't, okay, we don't do that with this one. No, we don't. We actually don't even open on a crime. We actually uh, open with all the meeting all these characters first. Like, you know how in Knives Out, we're kind of first introduced to the the conflict christopher Plummer committed quote-unquote suicide Mm -hmm. um and then then we meet all of the characters no this way it's the other way around johnson introduces us to all the characters first and foremost and then we actually don't even really get into the mystery of it all until like i'd say probably about the halfway point in the movie interesting so it's more like it takes then yeah, Ryan Johnson it's, is not here to uh, not subvert your expectations. It's it's <laughs> funny you mentioned Clue because Clue does come up a few times in the movie, and that's one of the things I love about Daniel Craig's character is how much he hates Clue. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. He, now he, I fucking he, hate the simplicity. Yeah, it's it's probably because it's like too simple. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like it's and, so uh, much more complicated than just the place and who did it and, and the, the person, weapon. And the person who's trying to help him keeps referencing it, and he's like, "No, that's not how that works. It doesn't happen." <laughs> Um, uh, Mr. Mustard, can you come in here for your interview, please? <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and end this segment of Glass Onion here. Just if this episode is out before the 23rd, please go watch it as soon as it drops. Try to watch after it after the 23rd. Go watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah after the just, 23rd. Well, no, I'm I'm saying if 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 this drops before the 23rd. Please, when the 23rd hits, watch this movie as soon as possible. Do not let spoiler, do not do not let this one get spoiled for you because this one takes so many fun twists and turns that spoiling would be fucking tragic. So no, and I, I literally didn't even watch the trailer for this one. Yeah, no, me either. I and might have watched the trailer, but I totally forgot about it. You but, um, spaz. I guess I'll I'll go ahead and just end it saying, you know. Go see this movie as soon as you can and try not to let it get spoiled for you. No, and yeah. One movie, though, that uh, I don't think you need to uh, rush out to see to avoid spoilers is The Fablemans. Yeah, spoiler alert, he becomes a fucking Oscar winner and makes a movie (laughs) called The Fablemans. (laughs) Which is exactly how the movie ends. Does it end with him presenting The Fablemans? No, no. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so I'm super curious about the Fablemans because I mean I I think we can all say as 
when, when we were kids, we were like, oh, we love Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I certainly yeah, like, saw Spielberg be... as an early hero for me. We can, be, we can be cynical and we can be shitheads, but like we fucking love Spielberg. Absolutely. Spielberg really kind of helped. Spielberg created the modern blockbuster. Spielberg walked so that Disney and Marvel and Star Wars and all this shit could run. Yeah. Um, and like we, we, all, we all get into, I say we, I say we get into film through Lucas and Spielberg just so that we can make it on our way to Scorsese and uh, Kubrick. And, and then we end up I on agree. the real good stuff like Tarantino. Yeah. Oh, and okay, Lynch. I'm done. <laughs> um, no, so Fablemans is a, a semi autobiographical uh, uh, retelling of Spielberg's youth. So it start. I think I read somewhere it goes from when he's nine years old until he's 18 and in his earliest years of college. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, they open the movie with, and this is another one that Sam and Chris have not seen yet. But I, uh, I, I really want to see it, but I want to see it with my parents because definitely grew up in that era. So yeah, more, than, more than you, your dad is going to love this one the most. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but uh, we open in the 1950s. Uh, Sam Fableman, he's a young Jewish boy in in uh, suburban, I think, New Jersey. Uh, sees his first movie, which is uh, The Greatest Show on Earth by Cecil B. DeMille. And uh, more than anything, the train crash from the movie really just blows this kid's mind. And so uh, it starts just before Hanukkah, and across the eight days of the holiday... uh, because he doesn't know what he wants for Hanukkah. Like, he he hasn't decided on what gifts he wants. And Hmm. seeing this... He knows, and so you go through a nice little montage of each night. He's opening a new uh, train oh, car. Oh, it's Hanukkah. Yeah, he's opening a new train uh, Lionel toy train car. Aww. And so eventually, he builds up a train, a full size train, with the intent of crashing it. Yep. <laughs> nice. Which his dad, played by Paul Dano, uh, once again killing it this Paul year. Paul Dano came back. Wow. Yeah. Um, <sighs> You're going to make a little movie for me? <laughs> make a movie about trains. Um, he's great as... Uh, Love Marie. <laughs> he, he's great as the, uh, the stand-in for Spielberg's father. And uh, obviously he's not too jazzed on his son wrecking this expensive toy train. And uh, it's his mother that uh, kind of realizes what he's trying to do. And so... She films that they get together and they film the train crash. Like, okay, we'll crash it one more and time. And does he do the reaction shot of the little plastic figure? Um, no, I don't think he does oh. that in this one. Because this is a real story from Spielberg's childhood about yeah. how he loved to crash his trains, and so, so like they're compromised. Like you can film it and then replay it as much as you want. Yeah, right? exactly. And so uh, one thing they do uh, actually pull off though, is they recreate a bunch of his young childhood short films. Oh, did they do the toy soldiers? Um, it wasn't toy soldiers. It was actual like kids in the neighborhood or whatever. Or, yeah. They no. use like toy soldiers for like wide shots. I think. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, well, they still use yeah, them. They, they recreate the world war two film. They and recreate the, the Western, the alien one he makes. Um, I don't remember if they showed that one off. There's like a whole montage. Yeah, when he's no, nine I gotta, years old. I just of, gotta check it out. Yeah. Nice, that's pretty great. And he's got that's his two cute. sisters that he's always uh, pulling in, doing the thing. Uh, but the real meat of the film is set during his teenage years, and when they're living in, uh, I think it's uh, in Arizona. 
I think it is. Who plays Teen Fableman? Um, some plays Teen Fableman. Oh, some kid? Oh, okay. I mean, they're not, you know. I'm, I'm sure it's somebody. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know. This isn't, um... You have, as as teenage Sam Fableman, you have uh, Gabriel LaBelle. His mom is Michelle Williams. Yep, and his mom Seth is... Seth Rogen is his uncle? Yes. Uh, well, Who not biological uncle. Uh, Judd Hirsch is uh, his kind of great uncle on his mom's side. Okay. Uh, Seth Rogen is not a biological uncle. He's just Paul Dano's best friend. So he, he's un- uncle, uh, was Uncle Benny. <laughs> hey, Sam. <laughs> David Lynch is in this movie? Yeah, yes, he, he plays is. John Ford. Spoiler. I'm very excited for this movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the... Going throughout his... T- so, one thing that Spielberg has kind of worked into his films uh, throughout his earlier years is uh, he's touched on his parents' divorce at times, which... Yeah. E.T. Like, e. is, e. e. is very one. clearly about divorce. Yeah, E.T. Huh. is the big one, but uh, this one really just kind of shows him going all in, just showing it what happened, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty heartbreaking watching the family bust apart the way it does at the point at, that that it does. Um, but uh, yeah, watching Spiel, you can tell Spielberg is having a blast recreating his youth. Like I remember, no, I imagine it's a lot of fun. I remember reading somewhere that apparently, according to Paul Dano, Spielberg was even seen crying on set at times. Oh, um, because he's a vagina. <laughs> Um, pussy can't one, handle uh, your childhood pussy um one other thing that i think definitely sets us apart from other biopics is uh spielberg obviously he did it himself you have the guy himself doing his own they yeah, uh, very thing. rarely get to direct your own biopic and one yeah. thing he did <laughs> one thing he did in the making of this was he actually brought his two sisters on board not really as like an actual official part of the production but he wrote the film or co-wrote the film with input from them just to make sure he got everything as accurate as possible no because we all remember our own childhood like how we kind of want to remember them exactly so you got to have somebody in there to be all like ground yourself no and i hear when you read like some of these biographies of spielberg you hear from his sisters that like he was a fucking asshole which i get it you know when you're (laughs) creative growing up yeah you know you're hot shit and you can do whatever you want and you know he doesn't shy away from that in this at all like that's good i'm psyched to see there's parts where sam is kind of selfish like no i'm trying to do my movie thing when you know life is happening there are parts where you're really selfish Sam. there's a part where um i know uh michelle williams his mother um her uh his grandmother passes away her her mother passes away and so she's kind of just like a depressed mess for a little while there and he's gearing up to shoot the world war ii short that we is kind of one of his more well-known yeah uh, no, it's childhood like his... shorts and his dad comes in he had just gotten him this new editing setup and his dad's like okay and the first thing i want you to do i want you to do a short film for your mom he had they had just gone on a camping trip and uh, a family camping trip, and he, of course, had his camera in hand, shot everything and anything he could, uh, got a lot of good moments of his mom being happy, so he's like, I want you to do this for your mom, and he's like, oh, but, but I gotta do this instead, all these people are coming, we're doing it. it's like, no, I want you to do this instead, you're gonna do this first, I just bought, spent all this money for you, you're gonna do this one thing for me, you know? Um, so, you know, there's moments like that where he's kind of a little too caught up in what he no, wants to do. Um, 
But, you know, by the end of it, you know, after we've gotten through the divorce and he's living with his father in Los Angeles, there's a shot in particular where he comes home and it's 18-year-old Sam Fableman and it's like, holy shit, he looks exactly like Spielberg (laughs) at that point in time. Wow. Yeah, like... I'm very excited for that movie. it's, it's, It's a lot of fun. I had a great time with it. Like, it definitely reminded me of, like, me first getting into wanting to do this shit. No, yeah, man, like... I'm a. I know I'm gonna get emotional with it. And now. You will. I think so. It's really interesting. Maybe not Paul as Dano. emotional as Marcel the Shell the Shoes, but oh shit! I forgot to honorably mention Marcel the Shell the Shoes. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. And Crimes of the Future. And Crimes of the Future. Ah shit. Two great movies from this year. There's a crime for us in the future, future to crime. not mention. It. Um, but I guess I'll go ahead and I'll uh yeah, I'll rank rank, rank all these. I'm I'm very excited to see Glass Onion and the Fablemans. Prey, I'm gonna give a solid nine out of ten to. Like yeah. I did have my gripes with it, but at the end of the day, Predator is fucking back. I can't wait to see where they go from here. I'm excited I'm finally excited for Alien again now because of how awesome Hulu handled Predator. Well, Alien is insane because we have a Noah Hawley TV show and a Fede Alvarez movie. So yeah, it's huh. like I, I'm insane. actually excited for both of those now, considering how kick-ass yeah. Prey was. Um, so yeah, Prey, I'll give a solid 9 out of 10. Glass Onion, and you're going to have to just trust me on this, I'm going to give this a 10-10. Okay, shit. I'm fucking... Object, objectively speaking... Watch that movie! <laughs> objectively speaking, yes, Glass Onion is a better movie than Prey, but... I mean, the carnage and prey definitely pushes it past Glass Onion for me. But God damn it, like Ryan Johnson can do no wrong. This is the best sequel I've seen since the Last Jedi, so I'm sensing a pattern here. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, definitely get on Glass Onion as soon as possible. And then Fablemans, I'm going to give an eight out of ten. That it's, sounds it's a fantastic biopic for Spielberg. Uh, one that I wasn't sure we would see anytime soon, and uh, I'm glad that we have it now. No, and you know, when it comes to movies about movies, like what we're going to get into in my section is like, I much more relate to the movies about scrappier. Yeah. I don't like the Babylon, La La Land, Singing <laughs> in the Rain shit. Oh, God. You know, it's like, ah, man, the pictures were so big. We had more money than we knew what to do with, and we were all on heroin. (laughs) And it's like, like, yeah, those were the days, too, you know, when it was just white people. Yeah. (laughs) Tarantino's preferred era of filmmaking. Yeah. (laughs) Remember how good it was when it was just white people? (laughs) But uh, I guess we'll get into Criders up next. Yeah, on that note. Writer's favorite movie. Struggling to maintain the family horse film business, the Haywoods team up with the porno film business to make their own united movie. But things take a turn when Grandma's trauma reminds her to how much she hates film, porn, and horses. So much she balloons into a universe-sucking monster that wants to eat everything, everywhere, all at once, Till the world has no film, porn, or horses. But everything everywhere goes wrong when love, kindness, and everything get hot and make a baby that ends the summary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And also Pearl. Yeah, and Pearl. (laughs) Pearl is uh, your grandmother's trauma. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Honestly, uh, so, okay, so... What are your three? My three or four. 
<laughs> yes, uh, Kreider cheated, but we're gonna let him have it. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna explain to you that these movie that one of these movies was essentially two movies for the price of one. He can justify it. So, but um, so my number one for the year, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, which I oh. wanted to do in mine. No, I think we can all agree that this is one of the best movies of 2022, if, if not, not the, if not the for some uh, of us. Honestly, like. If I'm if I'm going through and just stating my general top because we one thing we really uh, wanted to avoid going into this is overlap. We really yeah. wanted to kind of pick our own movies. However, if we toss that aside and I'm picking my actual top three, it would be uh, everything everywhere bringing up third place instead of the Fablemans. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, and it's um fucking amazing movie uh we watched it i watched it a couple times in the theater yeah i know you and i saw it first and then you and sam saw it right yeah, yeah and uh because they brought it back to the theater it was so it was doing so well that they brought it back so this is now a24's highest grossing movie which as it should be snaps to them what a fucking beautiful movie man in and every then, way and then uh making up the second place uh, another a24 projects um ty west's double hat trick uh, he was filming X under COVID protocols in New Zealand. X is a fucking amazing movie. Throwback to 70s Grindhouse. Very strangely sex positive movie. A movie about making movies. A movie about independent movies. This is literally the greatest thing you could ever show Kreider. No, yeah. It's kind of like it's like Boogie Nights meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and uh, then you have Pearl, which is a prequel with uh, the same lead actress compl- playing a different character, you know, Mia Goth, and... Well, Not even really playing yeah, a different character. It's complicated. Character. Okay, so... Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get it. But he essentially shot Pearl, like, slightly spur of the moment where it's like, we have this kind of setting. We have uh, Mia Goth. You know, we have, like, the crew. We could just shoot another movie if we can, like, write it in the next, like, month. So he and Mia Goth wrote a whole nother movie and shot that. And I'm like, that's the coolest fucking thing ever. That's pretty impressive. It's like, in terms of actual filmmaking, like, that's a great story, you know? And it's like, so even if Pearl wasn't great, it's a great story. But Pearl's fucking great. Oh, yeah. It didn't need to be as good as it is. I th- I kind of thought we were going to get, like, a parallel of X. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's getting into, like, the first porno or something, you know, or, like, just a little thing. Just like, nah. We get something which we have not gotten enough enough of, which is the uh, serial killer protagonist. Ah, uh, yes. Where we're actually inside the mind of a serial killer. So, in terms of movies I could compare it to, it's got a little bit of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, the, tw- the Joaquin Absolutely. Phoenix Joker. King and comedy, even to that extent. And then a little bit of this neon demon element to it. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. It's like, but it's also got this technicolor like sheen, so it feels like an old Hollywood melodrama. Fascinating. And a lot of a lot of more, a lot more visual Wizard of Oz references. And then um, rounding out third place is another movie, kind of about movies, but it's about a lot of things. It's about a you know spectacle. It's a nope. Oh yes. Which is man, I don't. This movie sticks in my craw because I feel like people are afraid to engage it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How so? I feel like a lot of people are just like, well, Jordan Peele's just such a great director, you know? And I'm just like, that's boring. Come on, let's talk about it. Nah. 
Let's talk about it because he's not perfect. These are not perfect movies that Jordan Peele makes. And yeah. Nope is his most imperfect. It's his most shaggy. It's his biggest. Yeah. Like, it's... and it is weird. Yeah. Like, I fucking love how weird it is. <laughs> but at the same time, like, there were elements of it that were, like, very, like, okay. Yeah. Character motivation is a big problem with me for that one. No, in the third act, when it really kicks into Spielberg mode, it's like, it's like they're literally. Like there's a John Williams kind of music cue, you know. It's like, yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, okay, we're now we're, we're doing in, this now. Yeah, we're okay, in this mode. sure. <laughs> Where he puts on his Scorpion King jacket and we're just like, we're gonna kill a UFO. It's like, really? I love that Scorpion King actually <laughs> factors in as an important plot point for this movie. So yeah, because I think uh, we had, I hadn't we just binged the mummy movies at, uh, yeah we talked yeah, we about were, nope when we were recording yeah. the mummy movies how important it is to the plot of nope <laughs> yeah <laughs> scorpion king takes place in gomorrah which is like the los angeles of its time what <laughs> yeah and uh. a plague which is what destroys gomorrah is a bad miracle and that's what they talk about in nope is what's a bad miracle Oh, yeah, okay. 90% of the discussions for Nope are why the shoe is standing upright after the monkey attack. Yeah. That's all the videos. It's like, why is the shoe why why the shoe doing that? Yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> one YouTuber I follow, Thomas Flight, he talks about that. No, and so, but these are these are all certainly fucking great. Uh, should we go reverse order? If you want, this is your discussion. Yeah, it's your or, discussion, bro. Lead the way. Um let's start with everything everywhere. So beautiful. Directed yeah. by the Daniels, oh. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheibert, mm-hmm. who I really feel bad because I really want to watch Swiss Army Man now. Because mm-hmm. like that movie looked stupid. <laughs> it, this movie looked this movie looked stupid, you know? And it was like something about this one though, having a martial arts um edge to it made me just intrigued enough to check it out. You yeah. know? I was like, okay, at the worst at worst we'll get a good martial arts movie. What you get is like kind of a hitchhiker's guide, Douglas Adams. Yeah, it's Freddy got fingered. You know, like it's loopy fair. comedy, but science fiction action with some slight shades of the raid thrown. Oh, in. for sure, for sure, yeah, and like low scale but remarkably high concept. Like it literally just jumps universes like all the fucking time. Yeah, I, I really loved the. Like the humor and the visuals that are in this movie are just like fantastic. It kind of starts off a little bit like Matrixy in a way, you know that whole oh very like, oh. Matrixy, yeah, like just kind of establishing your kind of boring world, yeah, yeah very it, mundane. It goes into that Matrix direction of like saving the world, and it's not all it looks, and you got to fight the bad to win. But it like takes that wonderful emotional turn that just just makes you like tear up so hardcore near the end that like subverts that expectation. No, and it's like, you know, we deal with multiversity a little bit in this year with, like, the Doctor Strange, and, like, this was a much more interesting take on it. You know, See, that's not so. the only multiversity thing we had, because we also had Spider-Man 3. No, uh, that was last year. Was that last year? That yeah. was December last year. But see, that's also kind of one of the things that I haven't been as big on surrounding this movie, is so many people have been comparing this movie with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse, multiverse of Madness. Which is unfair such for a, Multiverse of Madness. At such a base level. Yeah, you know, it's for like real. Really the only thing 
similarity that they share is that they deal with multiverse shit. Yeah. Yes, everything, everywhere, all at once totally does the multiverse thing way better than Doctor Strange did. That I will not argue, but at the same time, they're not trying to do the multiverse the way everything, everywhere is trying to do it. Doctor Strange was its own thing. Everything, everywhere is its own thing. Yeah, this isn't a raid the uh, dread kind of situation where it's like a same plot exactly and so hearing the way people have been shitting all over dr strange in favor of everything everywhere has been certainly annoying but uh no i mean i just bad luck to be in that conversation though yeah it it is because everything everywhere you know it's it's a strong oscar contender at this point and not just for its actors but also just in general like i wouldn't be shocked to see this one pop up as a best picture nominee they should probably win Best Director. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine cool. who... In terms of what directing is, you know, like having to do something like Everything Everywhere All at Once is like amazing. Like, oh, that's a staggering accomplishment. I, I just hope, I mean, you know, I certainly hope they win a whole lot of technical stuff because, I mean, the editing around this movie was impressive. The it's editing like was incredible. The three or four different editors like working together, wasn't it? No, and yeah, it was like, this is one of the movies where you shoot it they finished shooting like right before COVID, and yeah. then all of the post production was during COVID. Mm-hmm. Then you have the like, visual shit down a little bit, also. which is which were all done by like five guys, like just kind of passing shit along. Yeah, no, and that was yeah. The Daniels like they come from the music video world, so a lot of it's just kind of scrappy, like do it yourself. Yeah, kind of special effects. It's the turn down for what guys, right? Exactly, which is like turn down for what? Yeah, if it's you wild. watch that, it's kind of like a little. A little appetizer for the insanity of everything everywhere all at once <laughs> I, I will say though uh, i'll go ahead and get this out of the way i think one of the biggest takeaways is that they brought back to us kehuan kwan as yes M- yes michelle Yeoh's husband for those of you that don't know kehuai uh, kwan was i feel like i totally blew past his name in the last episode <laughs> he was short round in indiana jones and the temple of doom and uh what was his character's name in database the data base something it might be data actually here i'm, I'm looking at it right now Is that uh, about the goonies or something yeah he was date uh, yeah he was data in i the haven't goonies. seen the goonies and you know after don't feel bad i only just saw it for the first time earlier this year so. what do you think of it <laughs> oh i loved it i thought it was great it's a goofy movie i love it uh the kid actors are a little shrill yeah nah. but but uh but anyways uh you know after the 80s though you know when he was kind of growing into his teens and into early adulthood uh didn't really find much in the way of work in hollywood unfortunately and so he kind of just fell into obscurity you know he went and finished school and i think moved back to china i think and uh just kind of was living his life you know and just kind of had left the world of acting behind and so the daniels when he worked as he did a lot of work behind the scenes as a fight choreographer yeah okay so yeah he did do so like what he like brings to the table is like he's stuff and he was also a assistant director for wong kar wai who's okay. one of my favorite chinese directors he did in the mood for love uh, so he chunking express so he he, he kind of left acting behind to do more behind the behind scenes the scenes stuff. okay exactly. then. and then yeah you can but it you was know, crazy rich Asians. He he comes back in this. He's Michelle Yeoh's husband and just fucking hits a home run. No, Michelle Yeoh is so good in this because she's like 
it's really refreshing that we have protagonists nowadays that are like just a little bit unlikable sometimes. Uh-huh. You know, like she's just, she's a she's an immigrant mother who's like a small business owner, so she's not always like very kind. Yeah. She's uh, also a bit homophobic with her daughter. Yeah, because it's her. Yeah, her but daughter not, is dealing with not yeah. so much in like a malicious homophobic. She way. doesn't want her like, grandfather. Yeah, she doesn't want the father James Hong to know. It's more of just an old people thing, you know, where it's like yeah, they don't like mean a, it in a hateful way. It's just it's just it, a little like, weird to them basically yeah like it's not like it. you're not my daughter anymore because you're like this it's just like okay well all right well no, okay they just don't understand it to take know? it back to turning red like there is a subplot where the mom seems to disapprove her hanging out with a tomboy yeah the the red her redheaded friend uh there's kind of illusions of a gay panic with them which you know is like is interesting and it's um yeah and like what the what Jobu Tapaki, the villain of everything everywhere at once, kind of represents is like a Gen Z or who has grown up seeing everything through the internet. You yeah, know? and so like they like, feel kind of cynical and like nothing can surprise them. You mean seeing everything everywhere, everywhere? all at once? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, it makes her a truly scary villain. She, yeah. It reminds me of the uh, of the mask a bit in her like insane abilities of doing anything she wanted. There's no, definitely she's literally a zaniness like, to it, for sure. Yeah, she's got like the Looney Tunes kind of sound effects while she's just like playing around with reality a little bit. And, like and, beating like, people to death with people. dildos. Yeah, or... Like... So, okay, so they introduce this concept in this movie about gaining powers or abilities from your multiversal counterpart. Yeah, it's verse jumping where but the way you have you the way you obtain these powers is done so great. Like it's you have to do some sort of action or something like that. Yeah, that it, you have to do something that you would never ever do and that creates like an improbability jump that you can then use skills from one of your multiversal selves and like uh cutting getting paper cuts between your fingers yeah that'll give you the power to be a gymnast uh or um or some or other eating ones. a whole chapstick will give you martial <laughs> arts abilities yeah um one of my favorites though which this came out of nowhere and i you know they they started building up to it and i was just like holy shit are they actually gonna do it and then they fucking do it uh jamie lee curtis is in this movie she's uh a ta- she's a tax lady and- yeah and she's got this award on her desk. Looks <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was like, "Is that a fucking butt plug?" Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a scene where Michelle Yeoh's fighting these two dudes, and they are trying, or the, one of one of the dudes is trying as hard as he can to get to this butt plug shaped award, <laughs> to the point where he's got his ass, er, his pants around his ankles. Michelle Yeoh's keeping him at bay as much as she can, but then. This big buff security guard comes running in, pants off, leaps in the air, and slams himself right <laughs> on it. No, and those guys, like, those and, are the choreographers for the movie. And yeah. They were really excited that they got to do a fight scene with Michelle Yeoh, and it's like, oh, by the way, you got these things up your asshole the yeah. whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it, the movie just goes into these wacky fucking scenarios, which I think one of the best wacky bits is uh the hot dog finger universe yeah so like <laughs> J- jamie lee curtis is like michelle Yeoh's worst villain but like in the a reality where she where her worst enemy is her lover is a reality where everyone has hot dogs for fingers yeah but you're really good with your feet in that reality yeah <laughs> no, like, so you get to see that horrible horrible shot of jamie lee curtis playing the piano with her feet 
There's also a great continuity kind of thing where like Jamie Lee Curtis has this like wrist cast on her for mm-hmm. uh the most for for that main movie and then, and then, she then in the hot dog her. when she has it on her foot yeah yeah that's right she does or they have just giant mittens on the wall yeah um but then going into uh some other bits of the multiverse we have uh the universe where Michelle Yeoh's character Evelyn is uh, a superstar like uh, she's essentially Yeoh. Yeoh. she's yeah, essentially she's like Michelle Yeoh. Yeoh. She's like early '90s Michelle Yeoh. And we get some really yeah, so sweet like a... bits between her and her husband's multiverse counterpart, who she's yeah, not where... married to. In this, he's yeah, like a like producer had... or something. He's a ba- he's like a businessman, and yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Kind of a Wong Kar Wai thing where it's all about regret, where she knows what their lives would be like, but even if they did. If they never gotten together, they would still always be thinking about each other, and it's it's really interesting. It's, man. it's, it's, hard, it's hard to make it through this movie without crying. It's, it's kind of like really that Rick and Morty episode where they're seeing their like alternate selves, and in the end, Jerry's like, "I need you, Beth Smith." Yeah, it's, it's got, a little bit like that. It's got the one really sweet line in there that you see all the uh, film screenshot pages sharing, where it's like, "Oh, in an alternate world, I would have loved to have done laundry and taxes with you." It's like, "Oh, yeah," which is sweet, but also aspire for more. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, he has already got more. Everything everywhere is a movie you don't really go into with much expectations, and it still blows every one of them away. No, and like that's one where like even seeing the trailers did not prepare me for mm-hmm. how <laughs> fucking crazy it was. Yeah, I never watched the trailer for this movie, so I was pretty ready for. I was not ready for anything that was going to happen. What do you think this movie would have been like if they had actually gone with their original plan and had Jackie Chan as the protagonist? Oh, I think we would have. I think it would have uh, had more initial viewers, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, having it as a woman, I don't know. I think really worked well, and we're getting more of a Michelle Yeoh sense. But like Jackie Chan regrets yeah. not doing that. I, for I sure. love the I love the story of how like you know they approached him and he turned it down. So they rewrote it to be the, to swap the husband and wife characters and offered it to her, and she took it. And now it's blowing up the way it is, and she texts Jackie. And Chan, I like, think hey, she was already. <laughs> I think she was already the wife. Character. Yeah, she was already the wife character. Oh, really? So they just made her the main they just character. Made, they just switched her to the protagonist. Okay, I did not know that. I thought that they had just they were initially just trying to cast the protagonist. He turned it down, so they rewrote it and then offered it to her. I didn't know she was already. No, yeah, involved. she was no, already, she was already going to it. be. Which and then it's really cool that they did that, and you know. We um we got a good Michelle Yeoh performance uh, with Shang Chi a couple of years ago, and I think she's that was last year. Oh, okay, yeah. that was last year. Okay, yeah. and and yeah, she was great in that. Is she also in Turning Red, or am I racist? No, she's not in Turning Red. <laughs> okay, but so James Hong, James, James Hong, Hong is in both, both of them. James Hong is in everything, though. No, and you know what's funny? Everywhere like, yeah, when we were watching it. Got Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, it's like it's really hard to. Def- I could show you a frame of Michelle Yeoh and Dragon Emperor, and a frame of Michelle Yeoh and Shang Chi, and you would not be able to tell which movie is which. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you're savvy to like colored, uh, yeah, color correction, film but, grain. Yeah, yeah that Shang Chi is clearly shot on digital. Well, I mean, and also you know they go for like the more like clay terracotta look. In mummy, also, yeah. no, whereas Shang Chi is more vibrant, more yellowy, 
fucking love Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh. for Michelle Yeoh, yo. Oh, my God. Michelle Yeoh was so good in this movie, just, just acting with... Not only with her, like, physical capabilities, she's still impressive there, but just her yeah. performance and her acting is amazing. Just go ahead like, and she give bounces, her the Oscar. She I bounces back should. and forth, like, you know, being this, uh, you know, this sad character who's just trying to get through her day and everything's just stressful and all of her family is just fucking around and then being this more, like the really regretful character of seeing all of her different possibilities that she could have had for another life that she desperately wins out of. It's like, where's my husband? I want to tell him how good my life was without him. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. And it's, it's crazy to think too, that this movie takes place over a single day too, right? No. Yeah. And like they, her main body never leaves that building. No. Uh-uh. If you think about it. And well, I mean, what's great is they do that thing where like they keep recycling actors where like they come back in different contexts. Yeah. You know? So we had all the so we have like the opening scene of the laundry room and of the, of the laundry business and we get all these customers coming in and they eventually come back as like I, I guess you could say the resistance fighters or something. Yeah, something, they're like yeah. they're either the like the good guys or the bad guys from other realities. Like the central plot of this whole thing is that there's this like super god who's like, you know, destroying all the realities and trying to and like wiping out the main earth. And there's like a reality where Michelle Yeoh had created this like universe jumping thing and she's dead now. And all that's after her father and her husband trying to like keep it all together. Yeah, from the alpha verse. It's kind of our uh, the real. It's kind of the real world and the Matrix, you know. Yeah. No, and God, you know, cool movie, man, and um, it it hits so many boxes. You know, it's a science fiction action movie. It's a kung fu movie. It's really sweet family story. You got a little bit of melodrama in there. Yeah. I uh, I everyone should see this movie. And I yeah. just love the message of it. It's like you know, it goes into that cynical aspect, and you think, oh, this is where it's gonna go. Okay, fine. But then it takes that tender tone of it. It's Sub- like subversion's the name of the game. You gotta like, like yeah, it's you like have only really... one reality, and you gotta like do what you can to maintain it to to like you know make it what you want. And it's if true, if it, it really is true that nothing matters, then why not be nice? Yeah, exactly. And I like the I like the bit towards the end where they're rocks. <laughs> yeah, they're just chilling and like, having subtitles doing? of ha 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 is like so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great one. And so moving away from pleasant things, though, uh, we got <laughs> we got X, oh, which yeah. is um, just a fucking tight A twenty four movie about making a porno in Texas and. You made it. You're making it on the wrong farm. Yeah. <laughs> now I wrote a screenplay that is very similar to X about old serial killers that I have to throw away because it literally had the same climax with the heart attack and everything. Oh, oh really? Sorry, man. But X, fucking great movie. Ty West. Ty West know. is back. He's Ty West never left. He did a lot of good TV work and. But now this is kind of his triumphant return to feature films. His first time working with A24. I hope they're going to keep doing that shit. Well, I mean, we got the third film, Maxine, coming out next year. Oh, so. I know. So we'll definitely oh, be what? doing a we'll <laughs> definitely be doing a Ty West trilogy episode before yep. long. And I'm forgetting a lot of the cast members other than Mia Goth. So let me look it up real quick. We got Mia Goth and Brittany Snow. And Kid Cudi. <laughs> Kid Cudi. Oh, boy. Kid Cudi is Who, so good. What a charismatic why, actor. And I thought Don Johnson was in this movie, but it's somebody else. It's a very Don Johnson-looking guy. It's uh, I forget what his name was, but he uh, he was in The Ring. He was uh, Naomi Watts' uh, boyfriend or something. He gets ringed. Ring. Yeah, Speaking he gets of ringed. rings, we have a Lord of the Rings actor in this movie as well. 
We do? Yeah. The, oh, the guy that plays oh, yeah, Howard, orc, right? Yeah, the yeah. old dude is one of the orcs. He was Gorbag. Uh, Gorbag. Uh, we talked about Gorbag. We talked about Gorbag. Um, you remember Gorbag? Oh, we also have new up-and-coming Scream Queen, Jenna Ortega from Five Cream. Of course. Ah, yes. Jenna Ortega's Lorraine Day. Shout out to Five Cream. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Got Brittany Snow as Bobby Lynn. <laughs> It's Scott Muscuti as Jackson Hole. Yeah. Jackson Hole. Wow. Uh, uh, but Mia, Mia Goth is really the standout here, though, because she pulls double duty in this. Oh, and Scott Muscuti is Kid Cudi's name. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know that? No. Oh. <laughs> I thought his first name was Kid. <laughs> his name is Kid. There it is. There's our Kid Rock reference. But, um... No, uh, Mia Goth, though, she plays our protagonist, um, uh, Maxine. Maxine who, who, and, yeah. She she wants to be like the She next... wants to be a fucking star. Yeah. But then, on the flip side, she also plays Pearl, who's kind of our main antagonist. Yeah, she's like 90-something years old. Well, let's let's think about this. How, how old is she in Pearl? She's got to be like 20-something, right? Let's what see. time does it take place in? Pearl takes place in 1918. It takes place right at During the end During the Spanish of, flu. It takes place so right... they can at, have COVID references. Yeah, there's oh, people walking around in with masks. masks. <laughs> and, her, and her dad is like a paraplegic because of the Spanish flu. Huh. Fascinating. Um, so let's see. Pearl takes Nine. place in 1918. Um, X is in 1979. 1979 so, so this is... 60 years later. So she's like... No, yeah. wait... No, just over 50 years later, I think. Okay, so Pearl is like 70-something. Yeah. So what, right. she's like an 18-year-old in Pearl? Yeah, she's like she's, in her late teens, early 20s. She's meant like to be like younger, you know, like Judy Garland age. Yeah. She's about 68 by my count or calculations. If you're saying she was 18 and then 50 years later. She's in her 20s, I would say, in yeah. Pearl. But yeah. Yeah. Um. But anyways, Somewhere X. around 70. Yeah, and so X... Um, like any good horror movie, it opens with everybody already dead. Yeah. Then you go backwards from there. And it's like, yeah, it's 24 hours, which I was like, I guess it works out. Just That's a very jam-packed 24 hours. Well, I mean, you got to think about how far out did they travel. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, like, it feels like they hit the road and then they pass the uh, roadkill where you are introduced in initially to the cops who we see in the intro. And... Uh, and the next thing you know, they're there at the farm. So I mean, very it, productive shooting day. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're especially really, considering they didn't bring any lights. I mean, they're really just fucking. So like, I know. Well, <laughs> you know what? That's the fucking kind of attitude. Work. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of attitude that prevents us from having good porno nowadays, dude. <laughs> I wish Floyd was here for this discussion. I do too. <laughs> I mean, but at the same I, time, I it's we, like we saw that one together. It was me, you, and him yeah. in the theater. Because Sam doesn't like slasher movies. No, and in a way, <laughs> I, wish a fan. I wish I'd made, you know, Sam would like Pearl more than X. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say I didn't like X very much. Aww. Which is fine. It's uh, I mean, I'm going to murder Sam as soon as we're done recording, but yeah, it's fine. I'm going to murder you and film it. Yeah. It's just, you know. Lame video games. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just... You know, it's a very, uh, at least by my 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 view, a very by the numbers slasher where it's like everybody come, you know, one by one, everyone comes out of the room and there's like, I know, what's but they're going not... on? What's but... going on? 
Like just one by one. Just I love killed. your summary of Friday Thirteenth Part One. No, that's pretty great. Thank you. You mean I mean, four? No, I'm just saying like that's essentially Friday Thirteenth Part One. Is just oh yeah, yeah. Just walking up being like, "Hey, what's up? Oh, it's you." <laughs> That's um, my favorite line is like when you don't know who the killer is and you're like, oh, it's you. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to flat out disagree with Sam on the by the numbers I disagree comment. With him. It's, it's different. Yeah. It, like you said, it's a very sex positive film. It is sex positive. No, yeah. Like the women seem to be having a good time. Yeah. And Kid Cudi is just there, you know, to be admired as the stallion that he is. Yeah, <laughs> there's the great shot where uh, when all the shit's going down and Howard comes, the old man comes. To My get... favorite shot of the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, this was his favorite. Kid Cudi answers the door and he's buck ass naked. And you, you see, see a silhouette of his dangly <laughs> dong. His dick is there. probably ab- about like what, like a foot and a half long like, or something. Like, like almost mid thigh length. It's like almost to his knees. <laughs> yeah. Carter's like, oh, he's got a soup can hanging. Yeah, which is more referring to the width, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. girth. <laughs> I wonder if Kid Cudi, I wonder if that's a Mark Wahlberg or if Kid Cudi just like did it for real. I, I doubt it. I, I, it's got to be like a. It's that's too. That's too big. That's got to be. A I mean, it, yeah, I mean, he's stationary for the shot, so it wouldn't really be hard to just you know like CGI. Photo, not even just like Photoshop. Little it's drag like stretch. <laughs> I like to think he wore like a thong that's basically a prosthetic. <laughs> I like to- like a strap on. He had, a, oh boy. he had a fake hot dog, yeah, like a hot dog dick, but then the fake alligator that they had attacked. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so mentioning the alligator brings me to one of my favorite things about X is the insane amount of foreshadowing all yeah. through the first half of this movie. Like every character's death in this is foreshadowed at one point or another. This is a movie you really love going back and watching again because you're going to pick up on stuff every time you do, and it's always going to be fun. Yeah, I called out all the foreshadowing. Not all of it. Sure, I did. I don't remember you calling it all out. I called it all out. No, I don't think he did. So all that's pretending Brittany Snow's uh, picture on the side of that strip club. Being She's going to get eaten by an alligator. <laughs> uh Britney Snow's great in this. She's a, doing a Marilyn Monroe type character. Yeah. And um, yeah, another interesting thing like to tie back to the this year's theme of familial trauma, Maxine is on the run from a Christian extremist group. Yeah. As revealed at the end of the movie where like there's this Christian extremist group kind of like you hear them on the radio the whole time, then they reveal that Maxine was one of their members. And it's talking like how, like, I deserve a better life. Yeah, I won't something. accept a life that I don't deserve. Yes, that's right, yeah. It's like part of their whole cult credo. Uh, but uh, then you have uh, you have Jenna Ortega in this. Her and her boyfriend, uh, RJ, who's played by Owen Campbell. Who they... looks so much like the dude from the Evil Dead remake. Yeah. <laughs> I had yeah. to confirm that it wasn't him. They, uh... Yeah, the nerdy one with the weird blonde hair. Yeah. yeah. So these are our filmmakers. RJ has been hired to direct this film, and uh, Lorraine is his girlfriend, and uh, she's slash boom operator. Yeah, slash boom operator, and you know she's uh she's kind of the mousy little church girl. You know she thinks it's smut, it's immoral, 
But uh, in filming these sex scenes, you know, it kind of awakens something inside of her to where uh, she goes from operating a boom pole to a different pole later on. Ah. <laughs> She's like, you know, I realized that sometimes the girl comes, RJ. <laughs> you shut up about that. <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to be. We just do that in the movies. <laughs> but uh, I, Female I really, orgasm's a myth. Isn't I really like... real to me. I really like that whole exchange in the living room when uh, they're like she's kind of questioning and playing, like after they play landslide. Yeah, it's like uh, Jenna Ortega is questioning uh, like like how they can all be like fucking each other while still in their own relationships and stuff. And the way Britney Snow kind of lays it all out, like it's it, this is where most of the sex positivity comes into play. Um, and then, yeah, by the end of it, she's like, okay, I want to do a scene in the movie. And it's like, oh, you're, you're not like one of those girls. What the fuck do you, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, while well, those girls are there. Yeah. And no, yeah, I, I love, she's talking, he's talking to Wayne, uh, who's played by um, uh, Martin Henderson. It's like, oh, she can't do that. She's a good girl. Just, and he just gets in his face like, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> and he's like, you know. You've never been you've never been four to six, and I have been twenty five. So listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Martin Henderson's doing a very McConaughey type of character in this. Very yeah, McConaughey. like a very uh, like just weirdo Southern guy kind of guy. Not, he's not, not a bad dude though. No, no he's not a bad, bad dude. None just, of them deserve no, what they, happens to see, them. That's, absolutely not. That's one thing that sets this apart more than anything from other traditional slashers is these characters are all so good. Yeah. Like, as much as I love and worship Friday the 13th and all those movies, there's fucking... I can probably count how many genuinely good written characters there are in that f- whole franchise on a single hand using only a few fingers. Her so, name's Jenny. Yeah. Jenny and Tommy. Those are it. That's yep. it. Yep. But, uh, Depends that's on which Tommy. <laughs> with, yeah, exactly. But with this, I mean, it's a very small cast and everyone just knocks it out of the park. Like, you actually sympathize with a lot of these characters. You don't want to see that. Even when the shit's going down, they're still trying to help each other and help other people. Like, Brittany Snow's character, when she's trying to help Pearl on the dock. Yeah, like, she's not being purposely condescending. No, she's, she's like, oh, like, hey, I, I used to... I, I used to work with little, you know... Like, yeah, like, let me help you. Yeah, and that's and she's like, you fucking slut, and pushes her in, and she gets eaten by the alligator. <laughs> I yeah. know, right? That's really? a great... That might be my favorite kill in the whole movie. That's a good one, man. Like, poor Kid Cuddy just getting fucking blown away. Yeah. yeah. Which his his own foreshadowing was like, hey, I was in Vietnam. I've had enough fucking old farmers pointing guns at me, or old farmers shooting at me. Yeah. It's like that's how he Out in the swamps of Vietnam. Yeah. (laughs) No, and they got the like the psycho thing where you see the car of the last people that they killed in the in the swamp. Like, yeah, I do love and uh, Barbarian deals with that a little bit too, which is like you kinda come into a horror movie that's been happening for years. Yeah. (laughs) Um like spoiler alert for Barbarian, it's just like it it deals with a similar thing of like just a horrible old person. Um but, uh, you know, Mia Goth, though, really knocks it out of the park with Pearl, who I would say is probably an even more interesting character than Maxine is. Are we talking about old Pearl or Pearl from Pearl? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pearl from... Um, 
Pearl and X is interesting because Pearl and X is very interesting. I don't I don't think we've really gotten many old lady killers in these movies. Like we've had at some least not like, like uh, not good recently. Movies. That's a recent yeah, not recently, but that used to be an older it's called the Psycho Biddy. No, that I know about. Yeah, stuff like uh Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte uh, and whatever Jane, happened to Baby whatever Jane. Whatever happened to Baby Jane. But we we don't really see that as much going at through the actual slasher uh era too no. much aside from Mrs. Voorhees. Um, yeah. If you ever watch Cold Sweat, it does feature some great old men killers. Yeah, but it's old men killers. No, like I know. This, yeah. Supposedly a frail old lady, and here she like completely mulches RJ's yeah, She does neck a lot. She does a, a lot. Oh, that's that's probably my favorite kill is when she's standing in front of the van and she tries to kiss him. And he's like, "What are you? Why did you do that?" And then she starts stabbing him until his head is like off. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't even. And then we blood didn't even, gets on the headlights. We didn't even touch. Oh, God, on that was R- crazy. We haven't even touched on RJ having to film his girlfriend getting just railed by Kid Cudi and then him crying in the shower later. <laughs> I really wanted to. You know, my line for that that they didn't use is like, "But who's gonna operate Boom in that scene?" <laughs> Oh, and then yeah, we have him. Yeah, him crying in the shower is like it's so funny because it's a subversion because it's always a woman crying in the shower. Yeah, there there is that subversion. I can see that. And uh, you got the guy getting stabbed in the eyeball, which hurts me to watch. Yeah, that and then the, they had that in the edit face. where what did they cut to? Where it's like something. Oh yeah, they cut from a, a light bulb chain being yanked to. Yeah. The fucking ice pick being pulled out of his eye. Oof. It's actually a pitchfork. Oh, it's the pitchfork. How'd they get this, the one? Well, because he's looking through multiple holes. Like the pitchfork had already been stuck into the wall at one point. Ah, uh, and st- uh, don't stick your dick in these three holes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just but, don't um, do it. It's a famous old joke. But Pearl, though, as a, a little uh, companion piece to this one. Which, you know, Scorsese himself came out of the woodwork to be like, this is a hell of a movie, Pearl. Yeah. I mean, when he took he took a break from worshiping all the Marvel stuff to say something good about Pearl, so you know it's got to be I know. Good. You know he loves Marvel so much, so the fact that he brought up a non-Marvel movie. Yeah. So fucking amazing. And um so yeah, so we get a much better performance cuz so much more of it is literally on Mia Goth's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I just well, man, I simp so much harder for this this character than I do for Maxine. Yeah, like you kind of feel a little bad for Pearl. No, you do, and like so this goes back to she's clearly dealing with mental health issues in a time where that's not handled well. Yeah. Yeah. So like at one point her mom is like, you've always been wrong. So it's like so they've always been kind of treating her as a pariah. Yeah. It's like she she's desperate for stardom. She wants a life that's better. I know, and she, she like has, which is understandable because it's like you know she's living with her mother and father in this remote farmhouse. And she's married to Howard, but he's off uh, fighting World in World War One. One. Yeah, her father's an invalid because of the Spanish flu. Yeah, he can't move or do anything by himself. And so her mother, her and her mother, pretty yeah. much have to take care of her. And her mother is just her like, mother is a German immigrant. So she's like super intense. You kind of almost, I can almost even kind of see a little bit of uh, the relationship between uh, Ed Gein and his mother. How it's like she was a very dominating woman. Yeah. And uh, just kind of like, unlike Ed Gein, you know, Pearl was trying to pull away from it. Ed Gein kind of was just like under his mother's thumb 
even past the time she died. But uh, you still have that very dominating presence that just helps drive this character even more insane by the end of this film. Now, and much like in X, like no one that gets murdered really deserves it. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's still a, it's still this amazing. Um, a lot of it is just like sort of a Wizard of Oz subversion. Yeah, like a really long scene where she's like dancing with a scarecrow and then and, fucking it. Yeah, she's like <laughs> riding it until she orgasms, and then she's like, "I'm married." Yeah, what the hell? It just what me or just? Look, is it just me or do Ooh, scarecrows me? just not fucking work though? <laughs> you know, you go in, the birds are all hanging out on it, and. <laughs> it fails but no pearl pearl was fantastic uh i it's you know slashers are my favorite subgenre in horror x was such a perfect recreation of that style at that period in its uh uh in its timeline and whereas pearl on the other hand is just psychotic front to back like it's very un a very unhinged movie um you, it, Mia Goth is genuinely scary in no, this one. And at one point, she literally takes over the frame for like a 20 minute monologue that like is most of the third act. Yeah. And it's a it's fucking amazing. Like I would put I would submit that as like the best like individual piece of acting that we got this year. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah Mia Goth fucking really like I don't know. I liked her. But like after Pearl, it's like I fucking love Mia Goth. Like, Can't wait for Infinity great. Pool. Yeah, she's working with Brandon Cronenberg and Alexander Skarsgård. Of course. Yeah, that looks weird. That's yeah, that movie looks fucking I have, crazy. I have no fucking idea what's going on in that trailer, and it's got me so excited. It, it reminds me of an old movie called Seconds, where you can like I've heard of that one before. Yeah, yeah. you like you 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 have someone do plastic surgery to a corpse, and mm. so you can live your own life. Um. But, what, um, what else is there to say about Pearl, though? I mean, I'm I'm sti- I'm tiptoeing a little bit because Sam hasn't seen it, and I do want mm. him to see it. Yeah, uh, it's I'll see it's it just, eventually. It's nice and trippy. It's got an amazing score. Yeah, and both both X and Pearl have an amazing score. This one definitely has more of like a Max Steiner like RKO picture. Yeah, Max MGM Steiner or what's his name? What's our guy? Uh, Bernard Herman. Yeah, Bernard Herman. Yeah, it's very old school Hollywood. Um, and yeah, it's just. It, 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 I would say, uh, I also appreciate that it isn't just X in the 1910s. Yeah, I, I would have been kind of happy for that, just like X in different costumes, but like this was like just much more of like, she's not you really want her to, you want this girl to succeed, you don't want her to become what she is in X. Like, that's yeah. the real trick that they play, hmm. where it's like the, it's like. It's like the Joker, where it's like, oh, you, I know you're going to become the Joker, and it's like, it's like you know, they kind of play with the idea that she's possibly going to fall into a life like Maxine does when she's talking to the theater owner. Yeah, like they're talking about how, like, now that movies exist, of course, porno exists, and uh, and so it's like they allude to her possibly falling into that lifestyle, and I like that they don't follow through on that. Like, they kind of try to keep that character as a bit of a wholesome individual to she an extent. She wants to be a song and dance lady. Exactly. Vaudeville is still a thing. Yeah, she does have a musical sequence that is a little too weird. Yeah. <laughs> Very blue screeny. But, you know, we'll all be, we'll all be there. Yeah. But, um... What you else know. you got to talk about, though? Nope. 
Oh, okay. Well, then moving okay. on. <laughs> no, okay. Well, I mean, X and Pearl, two great movies. Uh, we got a third one in the trilogy coming out, which is why I don't own Pearl yet. But so anyway, Nope. Yeah, uh, Nope. That that was a that was a really neat movie. Nope. It's I saw it twice in the theater, and it's um, it's like the it's it's his second best movie. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like I, I liked still it. Still nothing on the to level of Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, it's I'm, hard. To, it's hard when you come out with Get Out, man. I've always said, you know, I like this more than Us, but not as much as Get Out. Hmm. Now, much like Us, it's like a lot of ideas, and much like Us, it's like, ooh, third act problems. Yeah, <laughs> motivation issues. Yeah, and like I don't know, much like with Us, um, less exposition could have been better. I uh, yeah, I, I like too. Also, how they didn't go for just a straight ufo abduction story like no, they you know, did something different they, which was it, much more of a sky tremors so yeah it, it's, it's very sky tremors it's like you know so like going off of the first trailer the teaser trailer which i did watch you don't know what the fuck is going on in this movie it's very weird it's very vague they allude to something kind of extraterrestrial going on but they don't really play it all out for you so I remember seeing the teaser trailer and being like, oh shit, this looks really fucking cool. I can't wait for this. Then I saw the actual trailer, not uh, on my own. I ended up seeing it, I think, uh, before a movie or something. And they're throwing the term UFO all around. And I'm just like, ah, now I'm less excited for this. Like, okay, so that's, you're just spelling it all out for me here. Okay. Nah. But, uh, but then I like how they ended up not quite going that route in the end no they um and they specify in this that it's like it's not a ufo it's a uap which means it's not a it's not an object it's a phenomenon and if it's a phenomenon that means it could be sentient you know yeah like i like that it 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 does essentially become a creature feature no and then it becomes an evangelion monster yeah Yeah, (laughs) straight up like one of the more like you know, when when they don't want to have a more, like, physical body confrontation, Neva, they have, like, the more, like, abstract, uh, what's the doodle on the wall for today drawing character? Yeah, and, like, their mission was never to kill the UFO, which I think would have made the movie better. Yeah, like, because... Cause Spoilers, like Keith, David, yeah, Keith, Keith David David's gets, character dies in the first 15 minutes. So, yeah, we kind of piece it together that after... So, like, the UFO can't digest inorganic matter mm-hmm. or like metals essentially. or metals so yeah so like after eating all these hikers it's like just dumping its cargo essentially which are like these keys and then it's like a quarter or a nickel like hits keith david in the eyeball and fucking kills him yeah and his son uh played Dan- by daniel kaluuya uh who's great in this movie i really fucking love yeah. his fucking love yeah this uh, this honestly might be my favorite thing i've seen him in yet maybe no, him and kiki palmer as the brother and sister are what make the movie obviously maybe overthinking it but i feel like he's playing it a little like uh maybe he's on the spectrum no, but well, okay. Which I, I like kind of see. The that. movie is about the danger of eye contact. Yeah. So I think it's perfect if you have a guy who's like awkward and isn't good with eye contact. That's yeah. Like, and he's better with horses. <laughs> which I kind of like that. Which is a really neat character. And look, yeah. we're all neurodivergent. We should explore that with characters uh, more. You know. I didn't bring it up as a negative. I was no, just no, saying, no, no, no. I'm saying for people who don't want him to be Asperger's. Oh, okay. Uh, and then. Uh, yeah, the sister character is a real wild one. 
just yeah, like, she's she's loud. She's loud. She's trying to get famous. She's trying to make her way in Hollywood, not through the family business, but through her own like more stardom very, way. Very much, very much an entrepreneur. Like yeah. she, like she's uh, giving a she's or supposed to give a safety speech on the set that they're on with this horse because Daniel Kaluuya is not good at people personing exactly, and so she starts giving the safety speech. And then totally diverts into, oh, if you need this, 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 and this, I can do this, 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 this. It's like, no, that's that's not what you're here for. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I do really like Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya's uh, characters in this. That they, they definitely have a heart that I feel was kind of sort of missing from us even though I like the family in us a lot. Hey, no, I do for sure. Lupita the family Nyong'o and Duke Johnson. The family and cool. us are uh, almost like the Rick and Morty family, where they're just kind of like they got a snappy comeback. Yeah, they're uh, very relation, yeah. as opposed no, to like how an actual family would talk to each other. And it's yeah. like you can Kiki tell Palmer that, a little is a little estranged from the family. You mm-hmm. can tell they're both trying to kind of suppress some sort of grief over their father. Like she's kind of just taking the route of just distancing herself and daniel kaluuya is just kind of not talking about yeah, it he's throwing trying himself to move into on. his work and trying to hold on to the family ranch which is not going too well they've been selling their horses to the local now there's west world ent- theme park yeah there's an entirely <laughs> separate movie happening if you follow it from steven yun's perspective which is that he has charmed this ufo and he thinks that like he's essentially trained it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he feeds it a couple of horses, and he thinks I'm gonna do a fucking TV. I'm gonna do a fucking show with this thing. Say, so yeah, Steven Yeun plays uh, Jupe, Jupe, who's like a former child actor turned uh, Western star who now has this theme park out there near uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's family ranch. Now I, I'll, I'll get into it, but so really interesting is that. Okay, so this movie is an embarrassment of riches. There's too much good stuff to talk. It's like inherent vice. So it's like, yes, we have this really cool story about a UFO, but we also have this story of Jupe Park, which is that he is the sole survive. Well, he's the sole unscathed survivor of this sitcom where he had a co-star who was a monkey, and during an episode where they were filming with balloons. The balloons popped and the monkey went crazy and just murdered people. Yeah, killed most of the cast ripped the face off of the pretty girl lead and then after it calmed down jupe jupe like fist bumps the monkey which is their whole thing and then the monkey is blown away like he like the monkey notices him hiding under the table and like kind of snaps out of it a little bit yeah and then well he also doesn't look at the monkey you know yeah exactly it's got this tablecloth and that's where the shoe kind of standing up comes in is that the reason that that's a miracle is that he was staring at the shoe instead of staring at the monkey, which might have made the monkey attack him. Yeah. But like I've had arguments from people where they're like, you don't, you could have completely edited out the monkey. And I'm like, no, you opened with the monkey. <laughs> yeah. I, my only issue is that the CGI of the monkey is not as good as it is in Rise of the Planet of the Apes or any of them. Yeah. yeah for, for a monkey, it's pretty important to like this character's motivation and plot. You could have done a better job. Especially if you're filming on fucking 70 millimeter dog. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but you can't lose the monkey. The monkey's your heart. Yeah. The monkey, like, that is the problem with this movie is that there's just so much weird shit going on that is unfor- is like tied together one way or another. No, I know, and so it's like, but we're not even following. Like, Jupe isn't the main character. Yeah, he's he's the main character's like villain. 
not even that. Like no. he's just kind of like he's just, he's just there. a there. Yeah, there. And, he's not really like he's not like a mayor from Jaws kind of character. He's not really like like because this this movie is very similar to Jaws, and there's this creature that's eating people out there. Yeah, and, and Jupe is like it's like I don't know. It's kind of like. He's if the mayor was like, no, we could really make some money with this shark out in the yeah, water. It's like he's not a malicious villain in the sense of that kind of antagonist. He's just like really, he's got very poor judgment. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, and it, it is like, so he's testing it out where he's going to have this like show where people get to watch a UFO eat a, eat a horse. Yeah, who he, that he bought from Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, he's just buying horses from Daniel Kaluuya for the sole purpose of feeding his UFO. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting study on exploitation. Yeah, and how because it's it's like you know, Gordy the monkey spent Gordy. years it's... being exploited by this TV show until he finally snapped. Obviously, Steven Yoon is a victim of this as well. You know, he's uh, the collateral damage. You know, he may not have been physically harmed, but it fucked with his head for sure. Like, there's a there's a part in the movie where he's showing Kiki Palmer like a whole room full of, of memorabilia, memorabilia, and he's and going back of, like, through it. Talking about the actual story, he talks about an in SNL the world, parody. yeah, in the world of the story, an SNL parody. And uh, so it's like, you know, Steven Yeun is affected by this just as much as all the people that were physically harmed, only to then grow up and do the same exact thing to this unknown creature. Yeah, this fucking... Which... Jean jean jacket, they call it. He's the direct, like, torture of the creature as opposed to just being indirect, like, part of it. And then just like with the monkey, it turns on him. Yep. But not really even his fault at that point because they like because at the time uh kalua and his sister they're like trying they they, they're trying to get a picture of the creature because they recognize there's something weird (laughs) so they put out this like weird horse statue because it recognize it realizes it's eating horses or something they they actually take that from jupe's theme park and (laughs) and he comes by and he's trying to invite them to the fucking show yeah and it's like hey where'd you get that horse (laughs) Yeah, it's like, we got one just like it. Oh, yeah, where'd you get yours? (laughs) And the monster is like, I guess, like, because I guess, I don't know if the monster's smart enough to recognize that the horse is his, or if he just recognizes horse offerings to be June's fault. No, I think he he offers the horse, and the horse doesn't come out of the thing, and the UFO doesn't like being looked at, so it just sees all these spectators and just, like, fucking cocaine, just... And, mm. and, you know, I like, too, how... Uh, so I, this is when we really learn that it is a creature. Yeah, that was... Rather than just, the, like, it's a, a flying saucer. It's a big, terrifying reveal where you see what I turned out to be Jupe's wife is being sucked through, like, this... They're kind of being sucked through, like, this weird, glowing, flappy, flappy organic, like, hole. And they're it's just like a, screaming, and they're, they're all screaming. Everyone, and they're... they're it's hovering over... Uh, the um, the Haywood uh, ranch house at yeah. this point too, and this is one of my favorite bits in the movie is when you're seeing all these people being kind of digested into the creature, and then from the outside you just hear a sickening crunch and 
all the screams die out, and you just it cuts to inside the house, and it's just raining blood. No, because it's have, in the middle of a rainstorm too. No, and it's one of these visuals that I've never thought about before, where like a UFO is flying really low, so there's gaps where it's not raining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked that look. The funniest, biggest laugh in the theater is when Daniel Kaluuya gets out of the truck and he sees the lightning flash, and, and it's above the, him. Uh, it's above him. He's like, nope. And he just jumps back into the truck. He just sits there all nope. night. Nope. Until finally, it spits the metal horse onto the fucking windshield and smashes in yeah there's a yeah it loses the tracker that they had because much like jaws again uh, like the line of barrels that yeah. the shark had it had the a, a like a like a flag line like coming out of its maw now and it, then it becomes afraid of penance yeah, yeah you which know, they I, don't really pay off so, so it's like you know they tease the whole thing in the beginning of it can't digest solid matter like coins and keys and stuff and uh so then we actually get to see this though with uh with this where it's like spitting out like so jupe's uh co-star from gordy's game uh or gordy's home uh, she's in an electric wheelchair yeah. <laughs> or like a scooter and it just spits that out onto the roof of the house. Oh, um, and then we get, yeah, we can't forget about our fucking insane director of photography, Antlers Holst. Oh, yeah, he's oh, yeah. fantastic. Played by the bad guy from The Crow. Oh, love that great. guy. I love that. Yeah, Michael Wincott <laughs> I was, plays, uh, I was Antlers Holst, who's, yeah. I'll be honest, I was kind of sold to really see this movie when I heard uh, Michael Wincott was in it, because I love Michael Wincott. Yeah, no, he he was great. He's he's such a douchebag, like kind of pompous, like, like kind of a Hollywood arty asshole. Film yeah, no, and he shows up with a hand cranked IMAX camera, which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> it does. I like how he offers himself up to get eaten. That so doesn't can... make sense. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. Because then, it, like, because of that, doesn't that destroy their other footage? Yeah, it does. He yeah. eats the whole tent of like other like cameras and footage. see this man you know if the third act of this movie stuck the landing a little bit better it would definitely be if better not my number get, one get out and the, yeah just the character motivation of like we got to get a picture of this creature because then we'll get popular it's like what really it just no, goes and, back to that whole exploitation motif and it's then, like no, it, and then we kill it by accident yeah we like throw anything. a giant balloon up there and so the UFO is like, oh, well, I'm going to eat this fucking balloon person. Well, it's it specifically because it's a person. Because, you know, it it's doesn't like at being it. stared at. And this uh, balloon is a giant inflatable version of Jupe. <laughs> Cartoon version of Jupe. Who's not only looking at him, but also drawing down on him with guns. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're pointing at me too, motherfucker. Yeah. So it eats the balloon and then it just like fucking pops. Yeah, it just dies. And she's it becomes like a weird like skin thing. And she does this because she's like there's this giant like well camera. Like it's yeah. a well with a camera at the bottom of In it. In the theme park. Yeah, which yeah. they the set up park. earlier on. And she's using that to try and get a picture of the thing because it like takes huge pictures. Yeah pretty cool um she does an akira slide for no reason yeah we get a akira bike cool, slide for no well, fucking reason so there's a really funny scene where you have like a weird photojournalist a tmz guy comes yeah he's got this weird sudden. reflective helmet and he's like <laughs> hi hey weren't you involved don't you want to be famous yeah because like, when a weird voice yeah because when when jupe's show gets sucked up by the creature like it's yeah people are curious news. about the 40 people that suddenly disappeared yeah, yeah. but it's they're na- 
And that's what gets the German guy interested. Yeah. Uh, Antlers Holst. Antlers Holst. It's it's national a, news, it's, though, at this point. Like, this is like a Thomas Pynchon yeah. story with names like that, you know? I come up with weirder names. <laughs> I uh, also, uh, I, I we haven't talked about him yet. I really like... Uh, uh, the Fry's electronics tech guy. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, we should not. We Brandon should not, Perea. Brandon Perea as Angel Tor- as Angel Torres. He was great because it's like he he wants only so reason... badly to kind of be in on what these two are doing, and they're just like at first there's like no because <laughs> his girlfriend left him to do a CW pilot. Yeah, nah. <laughs> which is a very California statement. <laughs> yep. No, and they they made it Fry's just so they could use that electronic store where there's the UFO sticking out. Yeah. Um, but um, fucking, I don't know, man. Like, I do love this movie a lot, and yeah, it's good. It's just got, it's just got a couple like fundamental issues that it, would it, have made it a fix would have been better. Just like with us, it's got a lot of ideas going on at the same time. However, unlike us, it actually sticks the landing on a lot of these ideas. It's just those few, very minuscule ones that are just. It keeps it from being as great as it could be. No, and you know, like I said, it's just like it's a bummer because Jordan Peele is so beloved that even Honest Trailers wasn't really willing to shit on this movie. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. like, "Hey, we're just here to watch the Jordan Peele ride." You know, it's like, "Come on, guys, we can talk about it." <laughs> he's a, if he's a real good director, then he can withstand scrutiny. Yeah, come on, man, don't don't be a bitch. <laughs> yeah, come on. Jordan Peele himself is like, You're I right. am not the fucking. Everyone, everything is every, like Jordan Peele is the new fucking Spielberg. Where you know, if you want to just be uncreative and compare somebody to something, you're like, you're the next Jordan Peele, brah. Yeah, and it's he's like, just and he's just off the side, like, guys, stop it. Yeah, it's like I'm barely the next Jordan Peele. Uh, I love that humility, though. No, and he, that's like he's a he's still a comedian. He's still the dude you know, from Mad TV. Yeah, you know that that's the thing that blows me away the most is you know if you had come to me and told me back then, hey, that guy's gonna end up knocking out one of the greatest psychological thrillers of our generation, and he's gonna win Oscars for it. And you're gonna agree that he deserves those Oscars. And he's gonna go on to have a successful horror genre influenced career from then on. I'd be like, you know what? You're fucking crazy. There's yeah. no way that's gonna happen. Yeah. But nope. The dude from Mad TV won an Oscar for Get Out and then gave us us and nope after it and I am here for it. Fuck yeah. Now and I think I can rate some of these bad boys. What you got? All right. So everything, everywhere, all at once. I give it a 10 out of 10. As you should. Um, so this, this is tough. So X, um, I would give an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Pearl, I would give a 9 out of 10. And then, yeah, Nope is a solid 7 out of 10. It's like better third act, a little bit of trimming. Maybe would have been like an almost perfect movie. Yeah, I can see that. But um, I don't know. I, I do want to specify that when I first, I, I was very, because Steven Yeun was an evil rich neighbor, I thought maybe he was using, like making his cowboy hat really large <laughs> and using that to like suck up the horses to try to scare the black people off of his land. Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we, we kind of had. And then another idea a... was that they were the sky police. It was going to be government drones that are sent there to like, you know, <laughs> curb, the, curb the curb the BIPOC populace of California. So they can get sweeping and get the land for other rich white folk. Yeah, it's like that'd yeah. be fun. That's <laughs> also fun. We're doing that. <laughs> sky police. <laughs> That's, uh... But um, all right. So 
And uh, now we look to the future. Ah, uh, the well, future. Before we look to the future, you know, this year, like we, like I said earlier, we were spoiled with how many amazing movies came out this year. But that doesn't mean there weren't some fucking stinkers this year, also. Oh yeah. Let's... What were our dishonorable? What are our dishonorable mentions? Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, yeah that movie sucked. I hate that movie. That hate, movie. Hate, hate that movie. Like, your main character was a survivor from a mass shooting, so her arc is that she has to learn that guns aren't so bad when they're pointed at bad people. That she herself can become a good guy with a gun. And I not do just like a survivor her... from a school shooting, but she survived the Stonebrook shooting. Like, fuck you guys. Yeah, as a Floridian. Stonebrook? As a Holy Floridian, shit. I find that. Yeah. As a Floridian, fuck. I find that enormously offensive. Like, god damn it. And um, I do like, you know... When the sister gets decapitated and then she can't go back because it's a self-driving car. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh no, Kenzie. I will say the ki- the kills are fantastic. No, and Leatherface Chainsaw. himself is doing a great job. But God, the rest of the movies just such shitty fucking God. characters are just awful. Well, it's so weird that we're doing a John Wick Leatherface, you yeah. know? Where and it's like, and it, and not it only felt that, gross enough when they did that with. Um, don't breathe you know because like this guy's a rapist yeah you know and it's like and now he's the good guy so it's like so texas Chainsaw. Like, oh man they should have just left him alone and you know it not only that not only are you doing the john wick thing this movie wants to be halloween, halloween. 2018 so fucking or it, badly or is it making fun of halloween 2018 how is no, it making I like fun of it wants to be that because it, because he, it's like I'm the lady that tried to kill you, and you didn't kill me, and then he just fucking kills her. <laughs> and she's like built up to be a Laurie Strode esque shotgun toting badass. Also, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's trying to like be a satire of that. I think it's just poorly written. Yeah, I don't think this movie is competent enough to satire what Halloween did. Like, it's, yeah, the, I the, do like, I do like him first making his mask. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, but, uh, like the satire that we do have with like the Gen Zers are coming to this town to auction it off to other like rich Gen Zers, which is like, do they think all Gen Zers are just like? That's what I'm saying. Can bodies, bodies, bodies be more annoying than these Gen Zers? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's possible. How, it, how that's is one, it possible? That's one that we still haven't seen yet, and I'm I'm kind of on the forth. fence. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should knock that out before I leave, so we can enjoy sure, the dude. suffering together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> we can red box it or something. Yeah, I want to check uh, it out. Moving on to our it's other, a, it's a whodunit, so it is. You know, whodunits are. Coming I mean, back I already you know all about it because I watched. You the know, Dead Meat you Pod. know who done it. I already I watched the Dead Meat podcast. Which I knew it. That was what really kind of like. Uh, that was what really got me. Like, huh? Maybe I should watch this instead. You know, it'd be mm. great as if it like it reveals that it's Pete Davidson's penis, but it's like separate from him. Oh like, God! Yeah. Or it's kind of like a brain damage type deal, where it's like a little worm <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's like it's like a worm, and then it's got like the it's like the penis, and then the head is uh his upper torso, like <laughs> CG's like on. Now it's got, I was like, really a Quato thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> I hate any movie that has to start with text to try to explain to you why the movie exists yeah no fuck like that. did you know that buzz lightyear was actually a toy from a movie <laughs> i know and it's not even a movie that would have made sense to come out i know it's time. like why are there so why is there so much lesbian subtext if this is a movie from the 90s <laughs> if that it could have possibly been from the 80s yeah how old is andy i don't know i don't know who cares god he's got to be in his 30s by now 
Probably. That's got to be sad. But, uh, um, but another. I, what other what other movies? There's, suck this there's year? the dishonorable mention we haven't talked really much about yet. No, because it's not that bad. It's, it's not, just not that good. It's just so stupid. It's and so weird. far up its own ass. Surprising. I can't believe it made the Rolling Stones top ten though. That's it hilarious. did. I haven't read that yet. It yeah. slowly crept into getting higher and higher critical mentions. Dude, like why? Because Alex Garland literally was like, "I'm not going to make movies anymore," and we're like, "Oh." Shit, dude! Come on, it's not that bad. I'm sorry. I changed. I changed my mind. It was good. Is it a masterpiece? <laughs> yes, it's a masterpiece. Thank you. Okay. Wait, dude, did dude. he really? Was he really yeah. gonna give up filmmaking over men? Yeah, I know. And I'm like, dude, come on. That was a COVID project. You really shouldn't have put this much hope yeah. into it. That movie know? was dumb. I loved how I. I loved it for the same reason I love Mother and just how that well, shit I mean, fucking crazy it gets out of nowhere. But like the allegory isn't as obvious as it is with Mother. I know yeah. the, the message of men is very hard to parse. Like, it's on the nose as fuck though. Like, what is the message? Accept toxic masculinity? It's both subtle but very like in it's both face. subtle but in your face at the same time. Yeah. Just like, like you're definitely Roy make, you're, hanging dong as the yellow man. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> very in the your green face. man. Greenman, yes. It's the Greenman. I am the Greenman. Oh. <laughs> oh, these people are freak shows, man, but no one's going to hurt you because you are the Green Kind of reminds me of from Family Guy, the greased up deaf guy who's just kind of there. Oh, don't let it get the best of you. <laughs> I used to be a lawyer. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah, men. I mean, Ooh. I watched it twice this year. I yeah, bought it. Yeah. Yeah, we watched it with Hallie, right? Yeah. Yeah. We we oh man, that that just made me dislike it even more because the day we rewatched Men the second time, we were supposed to watch a much better movie instead, but I fucked it up for us by dropping my fucking region-free Blu-ray player. Oh, what were we going to watch? We were going to watch Possession that oh, day. Oh fuck, I still haven't seen Possession. Yeah, wow. me either. You guys fucked up. No, yeah. we didn't. I did. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's a story for off mic, though. <laughs> uh, but uh, now, man. do you want to look forward to the future? Yeah, because I can't oh, really yeah. think of any bad ones. No, 2022 overall was pretty good, and there's yeah. still a lot of movies I'm going to see. Uh, 2023, we got Dune 2. I can't fucking wait. Yeah. I can't wait for Dune 2. I'm so excited for is Dune it 2. Dune Part 2? It's Dune Part 2 right now. I kind of wish they had, like, I don't know, an under, un, a subtitle or something like Dune the Prophet or like Dune Muad'Dib. Did the books have subtitles as they went on? Well, because yeah. this is but just part two of the first book, which yeah. is just oh, okay. Dune them. Which they could use a subtitle because the the first book is split up into three parts. Okay, and they they could have used one of those. I feel like um, as a cocaine cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. They just finally unveiled uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah, nice, officially, yep. which looks fantastic. I actually, I just went through and binged all the indie movies again and love every single one of them. We're getting another Scream movie. Yep. From really? The, uh, We're from the Radio Silence Guys. It's called The Last Scream. Sure is it? it is. Well, it's called The Last Scream. That's what the poster sure says. Sure it is. Really? Oh, wait, movie? there's a poster for it already? Uh, another one that I'm... be a fan poster. Another one that I'm very excited for. Super Mario. Yeah, Super yeah, Mario Brothers. Even though Chris Pratt's probably going to suck in that one. I'm it's, looking forward I don't to it. care, because you know what? There hasn't been a good Mario performance anyway. This is true. And um, we're finally I'm getting so the live-action Little Mermaid. I'm so sick of people being like, yeah. oh, Luobano is really good. Shut up. That yeah, show so, uh, sucks balls. So, so we got, we got Seth uh, Rogen's Ninja Turtles. 
Yep. Seth so Rogen's uh, Ninja Turtles? Yeah, it's a new reboot. We, of course, huh. uh, Tom Cruise is continuing his hot streak with Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, there's Knock at the Cabin from M. Night Shyamalan. Which yeah, that looks kind of, I don't know. The book it's based off is very intriguing. That reminds me, I still need to see his last movie, Old. No, you I don't. haven't seen it yet. You don't need to. I read no, the comic. I read the comic, which depressed the fuck out of me. So I didn't really want to. <laughs> um, just you die. You what know? else? You what get else old and you die. Next? We all do. Oh, the the MCU fanboy in me would be remiss if I didn't bring up Ant Man: Quantumania kicking off uh, Phase Five. I think it is. Also, no, Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Yep. But there's two movies that 2023 is all about, which. This is all that matters, and they both come out on the same fucking day. Yep, Barbie and Oppenheimer, the two most iconic people in the history of America, yep. are going to duel it out at the box office. It's Greta Gerwig oh, shit, we're versus getting Christopher a, Nolan. We're also getting the David Gordon Green Exorcist reboot, which I'm next actually year. really looking forward to. Did you see the that concept trailer that they put out for it? No. I'll show it to you when we're done recording. Yeah. It actually looks pretty decent. Like, well, that's a, if he can bring some of that Halloween 2018 or Halloween ends energy to it. Well, like, I mean, you got Ellen Burstyn coming back. Yeah, she's 90. Yeah. Evil Dead Rise. Oh my God, yes. Which hopefully oh, yeah. we'll get the trailer for that very soon. I've seen a descri- uh, read a description of the trailer a few days ago, which I sent to you guys, and it sounds pretty great. So, and I, I appreciate that it's apparently going more in the direction of the Evil Dead reboot. When... Oh, we get the Furiosa. Oh, no, yeah, wait, Furiosa. That's, 20... that's not next year? Oh, I guess so. That's what they're trying for. I, oh. I, I, I'm not going to believe it until like I hear more on it. I mean, yeah, like he was supposed to, you know. What like, else do we got coming next year? Uh, it's going to, I mean, there's I got my three that I'm very happy and excited for. What's that? Guardians 3, Mario, and Dune 2. Oh yeah, yes, what else yes. do you need? Yeah, um, I don't really I got need Barbie else. and Oppenheimer. Like, like I mean, I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by Barbie and Oppenheimer, but I'm not like crazy. It's gonna be you know, it's gonna be near my birthday, so we we're Timothy probably gonna see them for that excuse. We got the Timothy Chalamet Wonka, Wonka. <laughs> oh yeah, just Wonka. Uh, we also yeah, have uh, the next uh, Scorsese film, which uh, I, oh, I keep fuck forgetting. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon. That's gonna be fucking dope as shit. I'm yep. certain oh, that's gonna be good. We're we're starting the year off with Mithrigan. Megan. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Megan looks great. Finally saw the trailer for that. Doesn't yeah, that, look that looks pretty neat, actually. Yeah. Honestly, I've been on a big Chucky kick. Yeah, so, like, it's I'm very just, Chucky. It's, it's like very Chucky, Chucky ex machina. It's, oh, Chucky X Machina is the perfect way to describe Megan. Like we, like we mentioned earlier, Infinity Pool, Brandon Cronenberg. Fuck yeah. Uh, what John else? Wick 4 is coming out next no, year. We should do a John Wick. March. We should definitely do a John Wick episode. I'd be point. down for that because I still have not seen any of the John Wick movies. You haven't movies. seen any of them. Nope. Wow. That's crazy. Ooh, hey, we got the Winnie the Pooh horror movie coming out. They've been talking about that for like two years. Why is it taking so fucking long? I don't know. Probably because it's not good. Yeah. We got Creed 3 coming out also. Directed by Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Spider-Man sh- Beyond the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yes. I'm Finally very getting excited back for to that. the animated Spider-Man. So good. Um, Oh, and the Napoleon movie with Joaquin yeah, yeah, Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, oh, cares? speaking of Joaquin Phoenix, fucking Disappointment Boulevard by oh, Ari Aster. Yeah. yeah. The, the the prodigal son returns. I yeah. love the Napoleon idea, though. It's like, you know what? Let's do a Kubrick script, but it won't be directed by Kubrick. We What's the, the worst that could happen? It worked for AI. Yeah, which, <laughs> fun, actually, I meant to bring up during my uh, Fableman's discussion, uh, 
Fablemans is the first time Spielberg has gotten a writing credit on one of his movies since AI. Oh. Yeah, because he co-wrote Fablemans. Have you guys uh, seen AI? Yeah, I have. I haven't. I liked AI. I like AI. It's just, it's really depressing. It is really depressing. It's like the saddest movie. It's... Oh. Spielberg's future movies are the most dystopian. Hey guys, yeah, like Mission Im- not Mission Impossible. We're leaving out one of the biggest ones. Minority next Report. Year, That's one it. of the most important ones next year. What? Fast X. Fast uh, X. Fast <laughs> Ten. Uh, wow, I can't well, believe we've reached. We're this supposed point. to eventually be getting another Friday Thirteenth movie. We got Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Yeah, whatever. Prime Optimus Primal. Whatever. And uh, oh, we got uh, Ezra Miller's Flash movie finally coming out. <laughs> I'll believe it. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, uh, they've been saying that movie's going to come out for like half a decade. I know that, but I heard that the producers are so happy that they just want to like rush it out. They like, want right to get now. rid it's of like, Ezra Miller as fast as possible. Man, if I was the Batgirl directors. I'd be pretty be like, pissed. I'd be pretty pissed off that Ezra Miller gets to do his shit, but Batgirl Their literally shit. is sacrificed on the altar so that they can declare bankruptcy. I know, right? Because like, they literally cannot release it now. Otherwise, they have to pay back all the money that they that they got during the bankruptcy. Yeah. Damn. So like, doesn't matter what James Gunn does. Like, they have to start from scratch. Damn, that sucks. And the directors are like, "Well, we're still waiting for that phone call." Yeah. Like, this is. I do. I think that if, you know, I'm never going to be, never mind, but like, <laughs> it's like, I will never do a comic book movie. It's like, eh, I probably would. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd have I to would. be, I would have to take something that's like not very popular. Like well, that's Peacemaker like what James got to Gunn, get everything, get to do everything he wanted and get away with it. anything Marvel. The I'll only do it. fucking nerds Hit who were going to shout, shout about it were the complete losers that weren't going to like matter seeing the movie anyway. <laughs> you know what I want to do is Mojo. The spineless one. Oh, yeah. You know, the X-Men villain who's got, like, the crab legs? Yeah, yeah. He's a big, fat, yellow dude? Yeah. I'm just waiting for Kreider to finally do the Black Hole movie. The Black Hole? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, we don't get a lot of, uh, what's his name, adaptations. Charles Burns? Charles Burns, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we don't. We don't get a lot of non-superhero adaptations. No, Scott Pilgrim. The Losers in Red. History of Violence. Road to Perdition. Yeah. The Crow. But what's the... Well, no, I mean, what's the last one we had, though? Persepolis. Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. Ah, oh, well. Dare oh. try being a, a girl, and then you could just write about being a girl. <laughs> That's what comics are all about. <laughs> anyway, guys. It's been, been a great a fun year. year. Yeah. It's been a great year. We've uh, We've watched some fantastic movies, not only for this episode, but for all of our episodes of the year. I... I don't know which one I could really pick as a favorite between the episodes we've watched. I really had a good time watching Godfather with you all, though. Yeah, the Godfather that was, was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed watching the Apocalypse movies with you guys. Oh, yeah. Watch, revisiting Carpenter is always fun. Yeah, because those were two movies that I hadn't really seen, which Prince of Darkness and Mouth of Madness. So, like, that was just, you know, anytime you're watching new Carpenter shit, it's really fun. Um I had a great time revisiting the Bond movies with you guys and oh, yeah. and yeah. the uh, the Tommy Jarvis Friday the 13th. That was a neat one. Now, the Pusher movies were fun, too. Pusher was a very fun, unexpected surprise. Yeah, the most art house we've ever gotten, but still very fun. Um, 
And then, yeah, revisiting the raid. Yeah. I always love revisiting yeah. the raid. Yeah, the raid movies are still really good. No, um, no. We're going to do some good shit in 2023, gang. Starting with, what are what is our January episode, Sam? Oh, well, you know, when scheduling this one, uh, we, we, we had done Star Wars, and we were thinking, you know, what's another trilogy that, you know, Star Wars invokes a lot of imagery of? And, you know, one of those imageries that I always see of it is the Western. Mm-hmm. And what's oh, a yeah. great trilogy of Westerns? The Clint Eastwood Dollars trilogy. Oh, fuck, fuck yeah. yes. The, oh, thank God. The yeah. classic. Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone's three classics, Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more, and the epic Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm. Now, this I'm is interesting. I'm very excited for like, this. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is almost like the Army of Darkness. Like My favorite is a few dollars more. Yeah. When we first get Lee Van Cleef as oh, the yeah. black. Oh, yeah. Fucking so great. And he's an anti-hero. He's not quite the bad guy. Yeah, because he plays a different character in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah. He is a villain. And it's interesting because, like, it's supposed to be this, or they've retroactively made it the same Clint Eastwood character in all three. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, now we'll get into that. I'm fucking psyched for... I fucking love a good spaghetti western. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, God. Spaghetti, I, spaghetti western. Spaghetti westerns are so much fun. No, like, they're yeah, they really. I don't know. There's something very comforting about them. No yeah. one makes uh, Americana like the Italians. Good nope. late night movies too. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Just <laughs> hey, what are you doing over there? I'm it, having a drink. What are you doing? I think you and I need to fight about it. Fuck. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly is definitely my favorite of the three. But who knows? Maybe I. I mean, it's been I a mean, while. When you rewatch it, you see that it is the shaggiest of all of them. <laughs> I'm looking forward to revisiting these because I got these all on Blu-ray on Black Friday, like probably a decade ago, and I haven't watched them since then. So Ooh, I'm it's been for a that long conversion, time. man. I'm yeah, never, especially with the first one, which is the most low budget. Uh-huh. Like, let's take a look at that in Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to this episode a lot. So, uh, but I guess in the meantime, uh, y'all have a uh, good holiday season. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy 2023. And uh, yeah. You can uh, follow us on uh, Team Insomniac Films on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and as Team Insomniac FL on Twitter. It's Twitter's still there. It's still holding on. It's still holding on, y'all. Just who's, barely. Who's who's left to fire for Christmas? Um, hmm. Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a Christmas miracle. I'll finally just fire myself just after a... getting visited by three ghosts. <laughs> you boy. What day is it? It's Christmas. I haven't missed it. And then he just throws himself out of the window. It's all, it's all for you. <laughs> Lands on the boy. Where can we Breaks follow you, ball. Sam? <laughs> uh, you can follow me as uh, Big Boss Tune on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where I'm uh, working on posting some new comics and animation. Uh, I hope you uh, won't be disappointed by what you see. I'm at Briggs underscore Metal Revolution on Instagram. You can follow me if you're into metal and radio and a combination of the two. And we're going to keep making movies. I'm at Cryder the Writer, so just follow us on YouTube if you have not. And don't forget to check out Team Insomniac Films on YouTube as well, where we have some of our latest films, and we will be putting out a few more that we have proudly yeah, made we'll this year. we'll be consistently posting some more shorts. We got a bunch of them, and we'll, yeah, we'll keep you all posted. Well, we've made... I feel like we've made good movies this year on our own, like just outside of seeing good ones. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's like... We're influenced by what we see. We see good stuff and we want to emulate it. Mm -hmm. No, and that's why it's like I only allow myself to be a critic if I do know a little bit of how hard it is to make a movie. (laughs) I can dig it. (laughs) 
But, uh, yeah, y'all have a good rest of your holiday season, and we'll see you in January. See you in January. And thank you so much, yeah, all if you of listened. our loyal fam, uh, fan base and our loyal followers. For We're talking to you, John. being here with us, and uh, I hope we grow in the future. We've to, been to, goofy, and we will get goofier. To all our viewer, thank you. <laughs>